Sirius 197, XM202, the virus. The Ron and Fez show starts right now. Okay, let's get down to it, Bopper. Oh, yeah, buddies. It's the Ron and Fez Show. Time to start playing the Ichi Buns. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. North American. Oh, yeah, buddy. It is the Ron and Fez Show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. We'll be taking your Ichibans today. <laughs> and if you don't know what that means, Dave will tell you. Number one. That's it. The biggest story of the day. The big story. The story everybody's talking about. All the scuttlebutt. Your chance to jump in. Right away, let's jump over here to Justin. Justin, what's your Ichiban today? I got an entertainment Ichiban. Entertainment. The Golden Globes have asked Ricky Gervais back now to host them next year. Hey, Dave, do I dial a one to uh, dial out? Let's see. If he wants to dial out, what does he hit? I know he's nine, and then what? Number one. Okay, that's the way to do it. Because you never dial one to helpful. dial out. Yeah, it is helpful. And he's able to do this. All right, again, here we are, fucking rubes, walking the midway, thinking that there was some kind of controversy between Gervais and the Golden Globes. They uh, all acted like they were mad at him. Although I didn't hear that a single celebrity was mad at him, uh, but the Globes people were. Uh, Gervais went on all these shows, and now they want him back. This must be their hook now, to separate them from the other award shows. Where theirs is going to be the mean-spirited award show? Like, it's a Comedy Central roast with trophies. Um, would you go back if you were Gervais? Because he said, I'm going to do it one last time and that's it. And then he said he wouldn't go back. No, I wouldn't go back. I would stick to that. Uh, Hicks, would you go back? I'd go back. I'd keep it going. I think there's no reason not to keep this thing going. He never gets the kind of press <laughs> that he does over this. It cost him eight minutes of mean fucking jokes. And then he'll be able to promote any of his TV shows and movies. And again, he could go back doing the same thing. Hey, I fucking warned them twice. And they're asking me back. I'm really... Then if he goes back and calls somebody a twat, you can't blame him. They have given him the keys to the kingdom. I think he'd be insane not to go back. And he gets a drink while he's doing it. It's yeah. a win-win. And it, it's the easiest show in the world to host because you walk away. 
when you're in the Oscars, you fucking have to stay there. Um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Uh, Z, Boston, you're on the Run of Fez show. What do you got, buddy? Hey, we got a weather alert. Ichiban here. Oh, jeez. A weather alert. Ichiban. What do you got? Uh, we, got a, we got another 25 inches possibly up here in uh, southern New Hampshire. And the, the 35 inches we already have hasn't melted a bit, so it's going to be a, a fucking nightmare. No, here's what I don't know. You guys got 20 inches. Fucking Chicago got 20 inches. We're right in between you, and we got a dusting. I don't know how the fucking catch-and-catch-can fucking weather works anymore. It's insane. Dodge the bullet. Um... 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. I know Chicago's in horrible shape today. Now I'm here in Boston, terrible shape. We were told it was going to be absolutely awful. It was just, you know, kind of awful this morning. Uh, but we're expecting more, right? We're supposed to get an ice storm tonight and then snow tomorrow. Sounds like a nice movie. Don't touch any of those down wires if you're a little kid. I saw that fucking movie. It was so sad. And don't ever fuck anybody with a Nixon mask on. It's disgusting. That's the two things I got out of that. Uh, Aaron, Ichiban for you. What do you got, pal? Uh, speaking of Ricky Gervais, have y'all have y'all watched uh, his new TV show, An Idiot Abroad? I watched one of it, uh, the the first one or second one, whatever, when a kid was in China. Oh, you oh know. yeah. I mean, to me, if you take Gervais and Merchant out of it, I don't know what I'm watching. A fucking retard walking around China? I don't get it. Sort of. Well, they what is this? him as a real-life Homer Simpson. Uh, but uh, here's the thing. <laughs> In the last 25 years, every radio show has had that guy. We've had eight of them. It's fucking Billy Staples. It's Al Dukes. It doesn't make any sense. And if Gervais and Merchant are kicking the shit out of him, check it out. But if he's off walking on his own... No, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, I, I'd rather see the fucking stars of the show. Maybe it's different in British radio. Well, it's not even radio, right? It's a podcast, podcast where, yeah. like, every two weeks an hour comes out and everybody celebrates it. They lose their shit. Um, Larry, Dallas, Sherman, Fez. Yeah, hey, Ron, uh, they're changing the name of the Super Bowl here to the Ice Bowl. It's uh, solid ice. Two or three inches of ice on the roads here in Dallas. It's just a mess. Cars wiping out everything. Look, they just can't drive. Dallas has done the only thing we've asked them to do for the Super Bowl, and that's keep the Cowboys out of it. So <laughs> you don't owe us a damn thing, Larry. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll see. If it, if it, uh, you know, if it doesn't snow it out, we're supposed to get snow tonight. So we'll see. But then it can get warm real quick again, right? Yeah, well, parts of it's already melting, but I'm on my way to Houston. Hopefully, I can get there before the ice storm hits Houston. But if, you know, if it if it's ice or cold or snow, it ain't gonna bother Pittsburgh, and it ain't gonna bother Green Bay. It'll be just another game to those guys. Um, the whole media week is now starting, and the annoyance of that. And I'm really, I'm trying to, I'm trying to almost go Twitter dark on this thing until the game comes up. Wow. And oddly enough, after yesterday's show, I might be the only person in America fucking thinking that the Steelers even have a shot. I'm hearing all you guys are going Green Bay. All the call callers are going Green Bay. 
And I'm like, do you realize we're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers? They've got six fucking trophies. The quarterback is coming back for his third <laughs> fucking ring. And he's being counted out as if he's somehow lame. Yeah, no one has any faith in Roethlisberger. Well, everyone's whatsoever. always saying, people were saying to me, Roethlisberger sucks. There's no way. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? The guy's a fucking proven winner. He can't be tackled, sort of. It's fucking uh, crazy. He's huge. Forget, you know, look at how he plays in the Super Bowl. He's fucking strong. And it's being completely forgotten this time. Sports Illustrated has the uh, interview with Commissioner Goodell coming out where he's saying that none of the Steelers came to Roethlisberger's defense when he was considering his suspension. I guess he talked to a couple dozen of them, and nobody stuck up for uh, Ben Roethlisberger. First of all, it's a fucking ridiculous thing for Goodell to say. And second of all, why should anyone stick up for him? They weren't there. That's, to me, that's the craziest fucking story in the world. I mean, how do you stick up for somebody when you weren't there? It's like if someone came here to us, the cops came in, they uh, said, uh, last night, Iraq punched his wife. Now, what good does it do me to say, hey, I know the guy. He never punches anybody here. I don't know what took place at their fucking house. It's got nothing to do with it. And whether the guy is an asshole and doesn't sign other people's jerseys also has nothing to do with it. They fucking, it's done. And Goodell's a fucking asshole. And all the other owners ought to just tell him, shut up. This has nothing to do with you uh, right. anymore. And last year, when they were talking about suspending Roethlisberger, we got a ton of calls from the Pittsburgh fans going, good, suspend him. And I was fucking shocked on the show. I'm like, why aren't you sticking up? And they're oh, like, they he's an asshole. He does this. It's a well-known fact. But he got busted. They decided there wasn't enough information there on whether or not they would charge him. And the league still suspended him. I don't know what more you want here. You would think, though, that even if he was a jerk to his teammates, they would want to win and go in there and put in a good word for him. No, I don't see what their word would be, good or bad. It has nothing to do with what happened at that bar. Unless you were there with him, what could you say? He's a good citizen. He's fucking kind of kids. That has nothing to do with whether he committed a crime or not. None of that stuff is uh, is correct. Uh, Sean, you're on my face. Hey, Ronnie. I'm Beast. I'm creating my friend. Thanks. Uh, Peter King, the guy who wrote that story, uh, went on record today and retracted that. He didn't actually talk to Steeler players. He talked to players from other teams. So he made a mistake, and he went on air today and uh, is actually retracting that now, statement about And is that going to be in the magazine or was just on the website? That was on the ma in the magazine. Right, it's going to be in the magazine, but how do you retract something when the magazine hasn't come out yet? Uh, he went on, like, ESPN Radio and different sports shows and uh, and cleared it up because he made it, he realized it was a mistake saying that Steeler players didn't support Roethlisberger. It was... He asked other players from other teams what they, how they felt about it, what the punishment should be. Um, and again, wh why would you go to people the guy did it or he didn't? To me, Goodell looks like he's showing zero leadership ability here. You know, something is either right 
or it's wrong. But you don't go around talking to the guy's peers and um, and act like, oh, um, let's all get together on this and decide whether we think he's a good person or not. He wasn't in trouble whether he was a good person or not. It's whatever happened with that fucking uh, little girl. Apparently something fucking went sideways. And... To come back and, and even bring this up again, I think is fucking uh, stupid. I mean, you could bring it up, but for the commissioner to be acting like, well, I'm part of the gossip fucking team here? No, it's crazy. Uh, Bill, you're on running for the show. Ron, I believe you call it best. Uh, Roethlis Booger, uh, Booger uh, he took his hit and he laid down and he was quiet the whole season. He's going to come back and shock everybody when he wipes the floor with those shithead cheeseheads. Again, I don't know what's going to happen in the game, but the guy did handle it as best as he could. And everybody's also saying his attitude has changed. The people in Pittsburgh are saying, you know, he's trying to be a human being. He stopped being, you know, whatever he was, some kind of a stuck-up prick. This is nothing but gossip. It has nothing to do with the game. It's just a way to fill fucking time. Uh, Kevin, you're on the Run and Face show. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Hey, it's not so much the uh, cold weather that Pittsburgh and Green Bay has to worry about. It's just us idiots in Texas. We don't know how to drive in that shit. Houston's about to shut down if we get snow on Friday. So you're not used to snow. Snow could be coming in and shit all over this. I've said this a million times. There's only a couple places that should ever have the Super Bowl. And for me, I would just make it one spot. Miami. That's it. That's where it should look. Now, if you want to throw in the New Orleans and the Dome, like the party in the city, yeah, but the Dome is shitty. If you want to throw in San Diego, it's night and sunny, yeah, but is it Miami? No. You got to fucking Joe Willie Namath this thing. You got to stay in Miami. But they don't want to do it because it all comes back to money. It has nothing to do with the game again. It's about, you know, giving favors over to other owners and teams. And it's all just shitty. The Super Bowl does Dallas. And there's not a thinking person who thinks that it does. Um, Hagen, you're on the Manifest Show. Ronnie, I love to hear you talking about how the public is on Green Bay. Oh, man, solidifies my uh, my opinion that the Steelers are going to smoke them. I'm, I'm putting money on the Steelers, man. I love that the public is on Green Bay. What are you getting, three? Uh, yeah, I think it's two and a half or three, right? I've, I've been loving that game all the last two weeks. And now I mean, that you hear the public is on Green Bay, oh, man, they're fucking done. Yeah, I think the public uh, across the board is on Green Bay, and it's this new love affair with Aaron Rodgers. But I think if you paid attention to any of these games this year, you see that the guy can get knocked out of a game. I mean, they are completely dependent on Aaron Rodgers. And if he goes big, they win. But if he does anything less than goes big, I think they're in fucking real trouble. And he didn't look good against Chicago. He looked okay. Um, here's uh, Josh. Josh Sherman Fez. Hey, Ronnie B. Um, how about stuff like some of the other sports? You know, if you have the best record, you play there. Um, add some elements of rain, snow. I mean, could you imagine if the well, World Series was played in Tampa, Florida because it was sunny? But here's, well, first of all, Tampa, Florida has a, a dome. Um, it's actually too sunny there and too wet. But they don't want it to be about the elements. They want it to be, you know, perfect conditions. 
the two best teams going at it. You don't want to hear, well, San Diego didn't really stand a chance because they went to Boston, and you know, and then also all that money doesn't get be spent. I don't know whether you've ever been in the Super Bowl city, the time of the Super Bowl, but it's one week of tents with rich guys partying underneath of it and then golfing. There's very little for part of it, and there's all kinds of big business deals going down. If you buy a you know spots you get a suite then you get to bring people in and it's all just a fucking mess it has very little to do with the game let's face it it's really about the black eyed peas right now more than anything else uh egypt yesterday apparently two million people uh showed up in the square and then it hits a certain time a time of year where they have to say good things to god and then they all bend down at the same time now, I noticed this with the Muslims. The women don't bend down? Oh, I didn't know that. I never see them. No, that's true. Now that I think about it, yeah, you only see the guys bent, uh, bowing to pray, oh. bowing towards where, Mecca. Where do the women go? They go and, like, make a little treat for everybody? I think they make hummus or something. Get everybody a little something. You know, I'd have bread. to say this. You know, I like hummus, but not constantly. What's the falafel, then? What about Fez's famous bean dip? They have that released? No. Fez hasn't made it in a year. Well, he hasn't made it where anybody could reach it in a year. No. How did they go over at the party with the people that could reach it? I think they liked it. Who are they? I think it, I think Mikey Boy enjoyed some. Hi, uh, Bri. All right, so I remember where they were sitting. I Shit, remember. I should have got over there. <laughs> uh, Will, you're on run of Fez. Hey, buddy. I think I can answer your question about the prayers real quick before I get to my H-E bond. Good, um, I wish you would. I- I think the prayers are segregated. So either the women cannot pray with the men, so if they, or, or or they have to pray separate, you know, somewhere else. But I think that's why you don't see the women bowing down because it's uh, the prayers are segregated. And when they go to Mecca, it's never women, right? It's always guys there. Yeah, it's always guys. Yeah, they they treat women pretty shitty. Um, if you were a woman trying to get out of a relationship there, that would be the time, like, to head to the airport. That hour during prayer where you who, know they're who, not going to look up. Who's going to sell a ticket to a woman or pick up a woman in a cab? Yeah, you're not getting too far. No. Uh, my Ichiban, uh Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, beats out St. Louis for the 2012 uh, Democratic National Convention, and Dusty Rhodes will be booking the convention. Well, then it's all going to revolve around Dusty. <laughs> That's the problem when he's a booker. Somehow Dusty's in the middle of everything. Um, well, Charlotte is kind of, wasn't that Obama's first big bump when when um, Oprah came and sold out the first big stadium with him? Oh, he's already gone. I th- I, I thought I remembered that way. Here's a year on the show. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey, Darnell. Uh, <laughs> I just want to let you know, um, my mom's a Muslim, and she definitely does bow when she prays. So I just want to let you guys know that. Does she not pray with the men? No, they don't. They actually don't pray together. I didn't know. Say that's crazy to me so where do they go they got like it's like going to a spa i guess <laughs> like two different locker rooms uh my mom just prays in the house so don't really know now, how did you end up not being a muslim oh because i can't stand religion period yeah you're done with all of it but she doesn't get all freaked out about it huh no god no what is your dad not anymore <laughs> uh my dad is muslim but he's also he also believes in, like, all religions, and he's just, I don't know. He'll be covered. 
Well, yeah, yeah he's covered. <laughs> I don't know if they like those people. That uh, oh, it's all good. I mean, if that was it, that would be the only religion to debate. But I think the other religions get uh, mad about that. Um, <laughs> here's Charmaine. Uh, Charmaine, you're on my face. Hi, Ron. I just wanted to clear up a couple things. Good, please do. Okay, women do pray, mm-hmm. and they bow when they pray. Women pray behind the men, usually in the same spot. In the Middle East, things are a little different. Right. And women are at the protests, and yeah, that's it. I've seen a lot of women at the Egyptian protest. Um, they've been pretty fired up about this. Now, you following the story, darling? Yeah, I actually did a study abroad in Egypt, and I've been waiting for this to happen for a long, long time. It's just been a powder keg over there, right? You know, it's actually, it was a pretty stable place, but there's always been something under the surface. Mm-hmm. But I thought that given as much money as the U.S. has always given Egypt and their special status, that people would just go along with it forever. But I'm glad to see that they're finally getting rid of this man. Well, we give them money so that they will leave Israel alone. Basically. Yeah, so it's like, here, you're going to get some money not to hit Israel. Thanks. And every year, like, did you hit Israel? No. All right, here's your money. But (laughs) now that we look at this thing, we don't know what the government's going to be. Yeah, that's the only frightening thing. Like, I don't want to see Egypt turn into an Iran. You think there's any chance of that? I think this is how Iran started off. They yeah. started off getting rid of a nasty dictator. And actually in Iran, when the protests, the women, they decided to veil because that had actually been forbidden. Mm-hmm. And then just as it became democratic, then the Ayatollahs came in. And they're like, oh, look, people want Islam. And I'm just hoping that doesn't happen in Egypt. Uh, well, I know Anderson Cooper's over there because uh, he goes to all the hot spots. And he actually said he doesn't know how to leave, even if he decided to leave now. <laughs> He doesn't know how to get out of there because everything's such a damn mess. Yeah, apparently if you call the embassy right now, they tell you to check the embassy website when it's like, um, there's no internet. They shut down the internet, you idiots. Uh, so, but yeah, so far, US the Americans have been pretty safe over there. It's not like, yeah. And from what I understand, they're happy to see the journalists right now. They want to tell their story. Yeah, I mean, Egyptians, they're kind of a different lot like they're very friendly and you know despite every once in a while there's some christian muslim mm-hmm. thing they're kind of a unified group and they generally like americans like they're not like they don't think we're evil i think my of them is and it might be short you know because of all i know but i think they're all like hoda from the hoda and kelly <laughs> lee show that's the way i that's the way i see egyptians i think they're fine well i did get beer delivered to my apartment there well, so i can't maybe. beat that all right, honey, thanks for the up. Hey, if you find out things, since you're a little bit of an expert, feel free to call me, all right? Because I'm trying to right, put yeah. everything together. Obama's got me helping him as much as I possibly can. Um, <laughs> he didn't go uh, with my initial idea. What was that? Turn it to glass. And that's always, that's, when I'm making a list, that's always up. Turn it to glass, and then we'll figure out what to do. I think that's like jumping the gun a little bit. I, that's what I do. I jump the gun. That's why I'm a decision maker. You don't see me, you know, going back and forth. Oh, I think I kind of, no. Boom. Right now, nuke the region. And also, uh, part of that region I have is uh, is North Ireland. Uh, Northern Ireland would be part of that. What? That's a large region. Really I, near each other. I know. It's just for my own personal fucking reasons, okay? Okay. It's a proddy. It's an anti-proddy thing. 
And there's nothing. Look, don't get caught up in it. Just let me do my. Just to consider that a little pork barrel. That why I'm coming up and I'm pushing oh. money towards one thing. I got my own thing. I gotta. I don't know. I gotta get even from my dad about some shit that happened years ago. Take this personally? Uh, I take everything personally. It's a difference between me and you, Hicks. It's all personal to me. Like nuking an entire half a country. Half country. Thank you. Are they part of Ireland? I guess not. No, you don't have to guess. You'll know. Look at a map. I guess part they're of fucking Britain arcs. They're fucking British cops. They're the Mark Zitos of countries. Uh, Keith, San Francisco, you're on the Run of Fest show. Hey, good morning, guys. I got uh, Ichiban for you. Hey, pal. What do you got? I got, you know what, actually listening, um, that lady who just called regarding... That was Hoda. Yeah, well, you know what, there was an article in the San Francisco Chronicle this morning, and it actually stated the exact opposite, where the people of Egypt are all upset at the United States for basically not putting their nose in, in their business. They're yeah. saying that the United States should be standing up for, for the Egyptian citizens, and, and that they're not, and that they're basically just letting them do whatever they, you know, the government... They, uh, they want Hillary Clinton basically to come out and say that Mubarak needs to uh, step down. Obama is walking the fine line, and that doesn't make people happy either. And, I mean, th there is no way we can get involved in this without uh, a large portion of people over there hating us and think that we're getting involved just for our own personal reasons. It becomes a very tough thing. I understand that. I mean, that's why the Middle East should, I, I think we should just stay out of the Middle East problem, let them deal with their own, you know, with, with their own. We could do that if we had an alternative energy source. If fucking oil was useless, they would still be doing the same shit they've been doing for 10,000 years, fighting with each other, fucking, you know, all that shit. But because they've got some oil... It becomes our business, and it's a pain in the ass. I can't. I wrote a report in elementary school how we could get off oil. What was your idea? Of flying saucer juice, that we shoot down some flying saucers and take whatever juice is in there that's keeping those things going. And then I actually wrote a whole uh, part of it on hovering, and we'd be doing a lot more hovering. But no one fucking listened to me. Where are we going to find the uh, flying saucers? Um, Alabama, I guess. I mean, that's where most of them are. And I remember the look on the teacher's face when I handed that in. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, uh, son, I'm the janitor. And it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and I don't even know what you're doing in the school. And I don't even, he goes, your fucking pupils are like fucking pinholes. And that's when I took the knife out and I go like this. I won't be bullied anymore. Wow. You sure you weren't on acid? And I actually scraped on the fucking wall with a knife, Combine 99, which was many years ahead. Somehow, during that time, I could see into the future. Now, here's the worst fucking thing. On that paper, I got an incomplete. Because mainly, I really... Um, I actually didn't type it up. You're supposed to type it. And instead of typing it up, uh, I drew just a flying saucer and I had some juice, um, dripping out of it. And then I just wrote on the flying saucer, good, and I had a big smiley face. And then I had like thing of the earth and the people were like clapping. It was stupid. They weren't able to get it from that? 
Fez, I see what you're doing. You're trying to fucking act like it makes some kind of sense. You're, you're backing me up in your own fucking weird way. In your own strange way. You're my wingman. But my fucking chicken wingman. You're a bucket of wings and a fucking bisexual string. There's no stopping you right now. Shit, I want some chicken wings now. Let me tell you. Who does it? Fez is ordering. You know that fucking great place that we got the wings from is shut down. Whoa, no. Yes. Yes, because none of you guys would eat the livers. That, that was the reason they shut That's down. That's the reason they put down. They shut down out of spite. Come on. I would have killed to get some of those wings today in this fucking icy freeze. Oh, it'd be so good. <sighs> we get double downs wherever that KFC is. <laughs> Please, stop bringing up KFC. <laughs> you got a nice breakfast from Fez today. Why don't you appreciate that? There was no breakfast to appreciate. You're not done in this, are you, Fez? No, no. I'm, and did you I'm come in here in a bad fight. fucking mood today? Well, I came. Are you all freaked out? Yes, uh, I came in in a freaked out mood. Yes. Are you in a freaked out mood now? Yes. It's because you didn't sit down and have a nice breakfast with your man Chris Stanley. Yeah, come on, Fez. During that time, you can even. You were like a level. And you, you gave up your morning fucking breakfast, not just the food that you're getting, the protein. But the ritual, you have a sharing time with Chris. The conversation. I never got any of that with Chris Stanley. Oh, there was plenty. We had guests coming in. There wasn't, th- you know, three guys running around biting each other on the ass. There's no ass biting. 214 fucking guests have come through here, and still no one knows how to react when someone shows up at the door. Oh, I saw I three guys that. fucking a football the last time we had a guest come by. What is it, Chris? I just had a question for Fez, even though he didn't have his breakfast. I'm curious, uh, what did you get Rondo for Christmas? Let me bring that up. That We're is... not discussing that. He got me a box of uncomfortability. If you... Chris, did you get to see J-Lo when she went today? I did not get to see her. I did see the Maybach, though, that was laying downstairs for her. Giant fucking car. Christ. I didn't see that. Ass. I like to get, yeah, that's what I'm thinking about. What's the rumpus? Paparazzi, though. One of them bummed a cigarette off of me. Still, huh? Yeah. Still paparazzi following her around. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time she's been a star. It's been like, what, 12, 13 years? Oh, yeah, easily. Ever since that Selena movie. That was like 97. Then when did she fucking crush Beneflex's hopes? And that was like early 2000. Yeah. When he used to just fucking follow her around like a fucking Benifer. French poodle. Benefer. Did they start that shit? When I think they were the first ones. Mm. Who was the second ones? Bradgelina. Third. Um. I don't know. What just happened to you? Just complete lockup. He had a bad day today. Yeah, he he was a little, a little shaken out this morning. All right. Here's a new thing. All right. You either come in, this is going to be the new fucking rule that we're laying down. You come in, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and ready to work, feeling good, or you come in with eggs and sausage. Oh, you got, you, yeah. Now you have a fucking pick. If you don't want eggs and sausage, you have to fucking come in feeling great. It's that easy. There we go. And maybe the occasional pancake. Oh, man, that'd be fucking delicious. 
But this gives you that ability. No, you saw your your shrink last night, right? Yeah, and I felt good when I left, but I don't know what I woke up with this morning. Did you feel like the heaviness gone? You felt lighter? This n- uh, No, yeah. last night? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was your wallet with the fucking 150 out of it. That 150 could take care of two weeks of fucking breakfasts with you and Chris. Oh, that'd be delicious. And some hash browns, too. You're pushing him. Okay, hash browns. That's like coffee and... Uh... Orange How about juice. a fruit cup? I like to see you get some kind of fucking citrus in you. Is there any like fat or grease in that? No. Oh, but until like. you're starting to get the fucking skin color of a limey sailor. <laughs> so the scurvy's saying it. What's the big deal? I worry about you and scurvy. I worry you lose your foot. This will work out for me. Uh, Larry, you're in manifest. Hey, got an Ichiban for you, Ronnie B. E-T-R-E-S-I. How about this? This might be something Fezzy might want to try. Uh, Oprah and her staff of 378 are going vegan today. Well, Elo will love it, if no one else. But, see, let me... Why does she need 378 people to do that fucking show? That's a great question. I mean, really, there's not 378 jobs there. Probably a lot of assistance. Carson Daly is able to do it with him and a handheld camera. He's just like Moby's old MTV show. Remember that? Yeah. When Moby would just hold a camera up to his face. Fuck yeah. I'm here in Antarctica. He was always somewhere weird. I'm in Norway right now. I'm DJing a club over here. That makes some music. Videotape. I'm looking for old Negro spirituals that I can add just a small amount of fucking synthesizer behind and then make millions of dollars off of it. I love sampling things. It's easier that way. (laughs) (laughs) So much easier. (laughs) You know what I would sample if I was one of those guys? It's just a day in a life. Just fucking the whole thing. I'd lift every fucking minute of it. Did you hear this fucking great new song, A Day in the Life? It's awesome. Except for why it was playing, like, I'd be like this. Yeah, yeah, behind it the whole time. And that would be it. That's how I would sample. And people would fucking love me. No. Moby is gone, right? We don't hear from Moby anymore? Very rarely. Pretty much, yeah, no. I mean, he, didn't he have, like, a restaurant in New York that... Oh, he had the teeny, the, the tea, tea yeah. and then the little vegan cupcake place. That's the last I've heard of Moby. It's like a cupcake without all the tasty parts in it. Oh. It's basically, it tastes the same as the wrapper. So you just sit down and you eat the wrapper, and you're like, this is fantastic. And I think his tea lacks sugar. He's got to start sampling sugar and deliciousness for this fucking shit. Well, you know, when he when he had regular food and sugar, he had all his hair. And the second he went vegan, all his hair fell out. But here's the weird thing. Uh, Moby was down. I, I was uh, in the Lower East Side and saw him sitting in front of his place once with an incredibly hot chick. And that's what's great about music. Because there's no system in the world besides money and fame that could get Moby a hot chick. It's kind of creepy looking. This is the whole play thing. You still love this, though. You know it, Hicks. Oh, yeah, of course. This is fucking high end music. Fuck yeah. I'm surprised Moby doesn't have his own thing over here at Sirius. I don't know how they missed out on that. They seem made for each other.
This uh, this album play was big when I first got to Manhattan, and it was playing in every fucking restaurant that I went to, clothing uh-huh. store. <laughs> And it was just giant fucking, you know, I guess it just, you know, feels like kind of laid back and relaxed, you know? Oh, yeah. You go into a barbershop, it's just playing. And then you get the shock. I'm here for a trim. That'll be $700. What? But here's some Moby and some juice. Do we have great ambiance in this barbershop? I don't know. It's really more than I expected to pay. Fez knows every song off this album. Here's uh, Chris. Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Yeah, Ronnie B, I got an Ichiban for you. Ichiban! Steelers' Troy Palomalu wins uh, NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Amazing, since he lo- he missed a couple of games. Yeah, defeat, beat out uh, Clay Matthews, who I thought should have had it. Well, here's the problem. Um... The games that uh, that he missed, I think they scored eighty five and ninety one against the Steelers that week. This guy's everywhere. He's a crazy monster. He's scary. Fucking Samoan SWAT team. I, my dream is to put together an all Samoan team. Holy shit! Top to bottom. We gotta get to Hawaii then, right? Or get Jack Samoa. Thompson the quarterback. Well, why don't we do this? Go to Samoa instead of going to Hawaii. <laughs> That's close, right? Crazy fuck. Close. (laughs) I got to get you in this today, Fuzzy, since you're all frozen up. Who did this to you? You shrink? I'm not sure. I I felt good when I left his office. Mm -hmm. So I guess I did it to myself. Well, what happened? I don't know. I just wake up with it, just shaking under (laughs) my covers. Fez voice. You got to remember all those things. You need a big breakfast with Chris. You got to do the Fez voice. Delicious. You got to comment on women's clothes. You got to do all that stuff. Why don't you give us one of your news stories? Fez Watley and the news. Well, I believe I'm the only person left watching the show V. It gets horrible ratings. It's uh, they're getting ready to wrap up this season. And ABC- I, didn't, I didn't know it was on since like 87 or 88. Oh, this is the new one, the updated version. Okay. I'm the only person in America left watching this thing. And what they're going to do is end the season with a cliffhanger. Now, why do this if they know they're not going to get a third season? Why Why not just kind of... You don't have to wrap it up. If you get the third season, you know, maybe have like the aliens are back for revenge. They're trying it one more time. Yeah, I don't know much about this. So I don't know where to... But maybe they just want their their viewers to you know sign online uh, petitions, and that if they wrap it up, people will be like, "Great, bye." Save the V. Yeah. Hashtag. Save the fucking V. We're just now getting to the point where we're seeing the lizard teeth and tails on these creatures. Exciting, huh? Yeah. Well, I like it. We're not going to get an ending out of this thing now. Maybe they'll be back. Maybe I'll just start a petition. Maybe they'll be back with the Riddler. Uh, Don, you're on Yes, sir. Okay, I need to, need to draw out desperately. We need to draw out Strong Fez. 
There are times when he's strong, Fez. Let's face it. Yesterday, I thought he had one of the great bits that he's had in a long time when he brought back. And then the other day, you you crush Zito, well, in my opinion, not fucking Hicks's, but he was a little low from not eating eggs and sausage. Oh, yeah. Blood um, sugar. But then you came in here today just not feeling good about yourself. Yeah, just feeling very, very rough. <laughs> Fez voice. Now... You know, a friend of mine the other day said to me that their doctor said to them that some of the stuff that you feel from thyroid stuff feels like anxiety, but it's you're not anxious. It's that, that your body's fucked up. You've had the thyroid checked? Yeah, yep, I've had that checked a couple of times. Mm. Yeah, when they do all that blood work during the heart attacks, they check all that stuff. Uh, here's Paul. You're on Renefez. Hey, Fez, I used to watch V, and then they started the season up, and they stopped putting it online. I missed the first episode, and I can't go catch up, so it's, like, not even worth watching until the season's over, and I can get it on DVD. Well, apparently you'll be left with uh, you holding the bag. Um, and okay. you're saying that the ratings are really bad, and it's an expensive show to, uh, to, to watch? Oh, yeah, all kinds of special effects in it. And, uh, uh, yeah, the, and, the, you know, we're gonna get what we ended up with the last season, Cliffhanger. The sky turns red. We have no idea why. What did, what did we find out? Uh, the aliens were loading our atmosphere with, uh, phosphorus. They need more phosphorus to, uh, to, uh, reproduce. Hmm. I wonder why they're not renewing it then. Sounds great. Uh, Floyd, you're on running first. Hey, Floyd. Hello? Yeah. Hello. It says, this weekend I watched the uh, original Batman. Wondering your take on Michael Keaton. He, he did it pretty well for me. I like the original Batman with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. They were both Batman? Uh, no, Jack Nicholson was the Joker. What if they brought him to V? Well, I guess that would be a good... That, that might help with the ratings. Let me look in. I'm going to talk to my friend uh, Randy. He knows everything about the way TV works, follows all the ratings. So let you know whether it's coming back. Randy, good to talk to you, pal. A big ass 307, buddies. Yeah. Hey, Fitz, how's it going? I'm also a, a, a fan of V. I don't know why I That's keep two of us. I, I keep on coming back. But you know what? It's actually up from last year. It's not doing terrible. It's it's building on the No Ordinary Family. Uh, it's building the lead-in. So it's actually doing – they're putting the finale on after the premiere of uh, dancing. So they want to get some buzz to it. I, I honestly think it's going to be coming back next year. So it might be a, another January uh, a winter release, but I think it's going to be back. So this is why they're not wrapping it up, Fez. They really want to come back. And they want to keep people like you and Randy interested in it. And if they close this thing down, it gives the network an easy chance to shelf it without people complaining. For me, it's just basically a nostalgia thing. It's why I go to the Trans. I don't think the Transformer movies are good, but those were the toys I played with. Mm-hmm. And V was the miniseries, first miniseries I ever watched. I loved watching. So this nostalgia. It's a nostalgia thing. It's not a. It's not a terrible series. I mm-hmm. mean, but I, I just like Transformers. I, it's. Uh, I'm blinded by it. I, I understand what a good TV series is, and I know this isn't the. This isn't like uh, Breaking Bad or anything like that. But I, I, I'm looking I, at the Twitter here, and Western Echo says I tried watching V. I honestly wish everyone on that show got HIV. 
That's mean, well, huh, Randy? That, that, that could be the finale. You never know. Why don't we just say final? You know what I mean? We're Americans. <laughs> I don't want to fucking start using other languages. Let's just hey, go with our own native tongue, American. Because you, guess, you, know, you don't want to get them confused with sports. Okay, good point. That's all I got. All right, peace. All right, see you. Bye. All right, so you're being a glasses half full, Fuzzy. Randy, who watches the ratings, knows the ratings, works in that area, thinks they get a nice pop out of this show. They get people talking. The show will be back. And then you'll be the happiest girl in Roosevelt Island. Uh, Bill, Georgia, you're a man of Fez. Hey, Ronnie. I was yeah. wondering, um, can we go ahead and have the obligatory Fez advice show and get that out of the way, and then we can move on, get him back on his pins? All right. Well, I'm willing to do it. Um, Hicks, Zito, uh, grab mics, and let's do this. I think you should take vitamin. I think you should buy me breakfast. Why don't you try to learn a, like a craft and get together with people like that? Why don't you smile more? Hmm. Why don't you buy a self-help book? Do you have a puppy? Go for a walk. Classical music would be great. Eat a cheeseburger. See seven therapists at the same time. Do you have any hobbies that you enjoy? Go to the doctor and find out where your a- asshole is an Audi. Did you ever try going to white supremacist message boards? Maybe you stop swelling and spit it back at him. Start a blog. Let people know your feelings. Become a racist. Smoke crack. You know, I was watching a comedy last night. Uh, oh, actually, I thought about you, Fez. I had to go over and see this at the Fox building across the street. Um, or as I like to now call it, the fucking future. But <laughs> in this comedy, crack smoking got thrown in there as a comedic effect. What? Like, isn't this funny? We're smoking crack. What? They're, what? Like, yeah. they're fucking burning rock? That's yeah. fucking crazy. And I'm what? like... And it was the middle of kind of a gentle comedy up to that point. And I was just like, wow, when did this become a, weird turn. a comedic fucking angle? All right, so when you go to the Fox building, uh, you got to check in like you do downstairs. But then you have to take the little security card that they hand you, get through one security. Then you go to the elevators. You hit the elevator, right, like where the elevator buttons is. Okay. There's like a bank of eight elevators that go to the first, you know, 30 floors or whatever. They tell you what elevator you'll be getting on. You go to that elevator, and there's no buttons. The door is shut, and they take you where the computer has decided. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's insane. Yeah, I mean, they are... It fucking felt like I was on Star Trek there for a second. Let me get into a box where I have no control over it. Um, yeah, it's... Ver- well, yeah, you have zero... Control. Not that I think we have a lot of control as it is, but I guess security over there, I mean, their host must get all the fucking nut jobs, you know? Yeah, they got to be careful there. Yeah, I mean, like, beyond, like, all right, we're going to take these guys out in an underground tunnel. <laughs> it was very weird, though. Um, ben in Atlanta, you're in Fez. Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, I was watching an old Conan episode. I had DVR'd, uh, I think it was from last week, and he had Wanda Jackson perform a song off her new album i think i've never heard anything from her before and i was kind of wondering i was kind of on the fence about it kind of wondering if you had an opinion on her i haven't you know? seen it this is another jack white deal isn't jack white yeah, yeah, involved yeah. with her yeah, yeah. Jack White was uh playing guitar with her and i think he's doing some stuff on her album and stuff and, uh, um but I, I, I didn't know if you know what, what was she back with elvis and everything or? yeah she was like a 1950s uh never quite made it on the radio but 
Some people are digging the shit out of her. And now, you know, Jack White, he takes his magic wand, touches it. All right, what's Tarantino waiting for? They should just ship to them and said, this is for you. Well, okay, you should cast Jack White in a, in a film. He can do well. The Advice Show. I think you should eat more vegetables. Did you ever try mild cars? Do you draw? Do you have a religion that you can get into? What about new TV shows you could watch? Maybe you should get a haircut, change it up. Maybe you should get married. Start a small business. Try going on a date or something. Go to the Bahamas. Maybe I'm a professional gambler. You ever thought about uh, getting into graphic design, something to be creative? How about fucking a kid? What about, you know, breaking into a prison? Taking classes. You ever blow a dog? The Advice Show. Isn't that working for you today, Fez? Um, no, nothing's clicked yet. So you just, you got to get involved though. You just can't sit back and wait for people to bring it to you. Um, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, uh, last yesterday, Liverpool sells Fernandez to Chelsea for 49 million pounds. It's a five and a half year deal with Chelsea. So he's going to be at Stamford Bridge running up front with Didier Drogba. And Nicholas and Nelka, they're 10 points adrift at Man United, but I think that gap is going to close uh, pretty dramatically here in the next few months. It's always amazing to me how they can just sell people outright in that league. Well, how it works is that the player gets a they, – they sell them for the chance to negotiate with them. So the player gets a piece of the transfer fee, then they sign a big fact on top of it. But they were saying on uh, Sky Sports last night that the uh, – the winter transfer window this year, they spent almost 10 times last winter. And it's usually the August transfer window is where all the big money gets, gets a move. But yeah, there are lots of big moves. Andy Carroll went from Newcastle on loan to Liverpool. And the one big move that didn't happen was uh, Charlie Adam from Blackpool. The Tottenham went in very, very late to try to, to lure him to White Hart Lane, but they just could not get the deal done. And I have a feeling he's going to, Leave Blackpool at the end of the season. He's, uh, it's like a, a small, you know, like a player with the Kansas City Royals leads them up to the, you know, to be competitive and then signs with the Yankees uh, after the season. That's probably what's going to happen with Charlie Adam. Kind of the same uh, story all the time. Um, no matter where you go, no matter what league, use it until it's time and then go right back to the team with all the trophies. Uh, Titans are now saying rather than release Vince Young, they're going to look to trade him. Now, I'm wondering if that's not just a thing of, hey, we can't get what we want, so we're going to bring Vince Young back. Um, I think they'll be able to get something for him. I would want Vince Young as a quarterback if who, my team needed one. Who, who wouldn't? I can't imagine any team that wouldn't. Um, look how the Eagles did with Michael Vick. See, what people forget is that you can, you can fix uh, fucking head problems. But you can't give somebody a better arm or better abilities to run. It just doesn't fucking happen that way. So he probably needs a new system. 
He not, probably needs some new coach to hug him and tell him that, you know, the past is gone. I think staying in Tennessee would be the worst thing for him. Uh, but he's also 30 and 17. There are very few fucking quarterbacks that have that kind of fucking record in that league. Um, here's uh, Bobby. Bobby, you're on Run Fez. Hey, guys. Uh, love you guys. Just wanted to say that uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia did the crack smoking as being a funny gag already. Um, and how did they do it? Uh, a couple of the characters, Dee and uh, Dennis, they were trying to get on welfare, and they ended up picking up a crack habit so they can get on welfare because they figured that's just how you do it. I think I saw that one. I'm not sure. Yes. It's hilarious. And you being a, a Philly boy, I figured you'd love it. They don't remind me too much of Philly, if I'm being totally honest with you. I, yeah, don't, I, hear you. I don't hear the accent. I don't know why they ever picked Philly. Um, let's take a break here. When we get back, we're going to get Fezzy Cat into this whole thing. What's on your mood today, Fuzzy, other than your bad mood? Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. All right. That's all you need to say. That's all you need to say. And we don't lose a single listener as we go into break because people are amazed listening to her. Right back, Ron and Fez Show. Ron Bennington. Fez Watley. The Ron and Fez Show. Sirius 197. XM 202. The virus. Hey, it's Kevin Smith. Scott Mosier. And remember to listen to Smodcast on the virus this weekend. We should do something that lands this in time. You know what I'm saying? What's that? How do you make something good better? Oh, man. I don't want to reveal too much. That all being said, dude. Here's the information we've been holding out just so we can say this because we like doing it. The remake is so much an improvement over the uh, original, but I think we all agree here, Hicks. What? Why, why are you even saying that? Because it's fucking crazy. It's with Paltrow. It's auto-tuned straight to hell. I know, but doesn't it sound a lot better with the auto-tunes? No, it doesn't. It sounds better when CeeLo's singing it. It sounds a lot whiter and less cussy, and that's what I look for in the music, because it's kid-friendly. Since when? Since I became the world's biggest Glee fan. I like, on Glee... I like the gay guy, I like the lesbian girl, I like the gay teacher, and I like the lesbian teacher. They're all my favorites. Just the gays? What about some of the straights? I didn't know they were on that show. At least the actor's playing straight. I'm not sure. I don't keep up with it as much as you do. How's this different, by the way, than High School Musical? Is there any difference at all? Uh, I, I think more gays. I think that's the difference. Because I didn't see either of those shows, and they seem the same to me. And then they also seem like that vampire movie, Twilight. And a little like Harry Potter. Kind of adult tween audience there. Okay. Now I got you. They just want wizards and vampires and singing and gays. Why wouldn't they? 
It's all right there for everybody. All right, it is the Ron and Fez show. Uh, good news coming up a little later on in the on the show. Uh, we do have a guest, and it's a guest Rustin wanted to, us to have for a long time. That's right, Todd Snyder is going to be coming in to fucking play a little bit for us. He's got a brand new album that's great called uh, Live the Storyteller, and. Uh, well, he is a storyteller. He's a storyteller. He's a folk guy. He's alternative country. He's all those things. And uh, playing tonight and tomorrow night in New York City at uh, Joe's Pub. And then you can pick up Todd Snyder's brand new album, Live at the Storyteller, uh, ToddSnyder.com. Uh, Hicks, this could be fun for you because I think he likes to do a little high end. Well, I know his crew does. <laughs> oh, man, it's great. I can't wait to fucking beat these guys. Maybe I should pick the Packers. Come on. I don't know. Come to the pack side. I might. I might. I think it's going to be, you know, I'm hoping for a really great Super Bowl. But be. now that I'm going back and forth, maybe I need to lay off the gambling. Maybe just sit there and enjoy the game. I'll make some cash down. I know I want to get out of town for that. Maybe watch really? it in the Bahamas. Oh, wow. Think about going down there, huh? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. I was going to come over to your place, though. No, you can't. Come on over and stand outside the door. What are you bringing? Your famous bean dip? I'm going to make the bean dip, yeah. What else? Um, I wasn't sure. I was trying to think of a dessert to bring. Dessert. Your stuff is always... I hate to say it, but he goes to fucking hot and crusty for stuff. Oh, no. It's either that or an ice cream cake. Why don't you grab the cheese curds? That could be your thing. All right. Bean dip and cheese curds. But then remember, you're not eating anything else but that. That'll be what you bring is what you eat. I'll have to bring a sandwich then. Yeah, you should. And bring some eggs and sausage for uh, Hicks. Please. Please, sir, can I have some more? Some hash browns? Um, all right, um, jump on the cheese curds thing. I'll, let you, I'll give you those things from yesterday. I'll let you know where you can order them from. I think they're like $10. Okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> Shit, I want some cheese curds, too. <laughs> Give some cheese curds to him. For breakfast every day for two weeks. <laughs> Unless he's in a good mood. True. Maybe I need to go pack. I heard from enough people that the Packers are where it's at. Come on, man. Aaron Rodgers. Blow it up. Title Town. That's right. Tear I, don't up. I don't know where to bet on this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Don't follow me. Go pack. All in. Anyway, we set up that uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Fez, uh, let me guess. You don't like the way she's dressed? No, it's actually, she said she was talking, uh, she was thinking about getting rid of her online newsletter, Goop, because people are just so mean to her. Anyone who's been online agrees. Anyone who's ever been online and tried to make something knows that people, all you got to do is go to that Ain't It Cool news site. And see the cruel thing that his followers say to him about every story. Yeah, he gets torn apart. And, and he's back. been there before anyone. He was in, online in 1937. So, yeah, if you want to put anything out on the you're going to be taking the shit. And all she does is basically put out, like, recipes or, you know, some soaps that oh, she... Oh, no, no, no. She does shopping. She's like a little Martha Stewart. Yeah. yeah. But for, like, yeah for, but... for specifically rich people, so everyone who's broke gets really pissed at her. Like me. Yeah, like, oh, here's these perfect bath towels, and you look at them, and they're like $85. (laughs) 
fuck? It's very high end. Well, I don't see any reason to be mean to her. Uh, haven't they been mean to Martha Stewart for a million years? Yeah, yeah, there's just some people that others are going to be mean to, no matter what they do. I just went, Brian just clicked on some random shit like clothes, and she's fucking advertising like $800 boots. Do me a favor and say, fuck you, stick figure. Just write that for me. I us. am. Hold on. The sign of Fez Watley. See, it. there's the meanness that's coming through. Why is that? And, yeah, like, uh, Hicks yesterday, just getting so upset at Ashton Kutcher. All he did was sing with his stepdaughter. Oh, come on. And he got furious. I think well, Ashton Kutcher's not... one of those people. Ashton Kutcher has two million or three million people following him on Twitter. He sits at his house, comes up with fuckings to do, and, and then puts it out. He's treated very kindly by America. Everybody's going to take a little shit. You're not going to get 100%. Like, all of the people that you're talking about have also benefited from being in the spotlight. Every single one of them. I like, ben- you know, like, sometimes you get ripped for something, and then sometimes you uh, benefit for uh, for no reason. You never know. Haters going to hate. Haters going to hate, and lovers are going to love. I think Rosie O'Donnell falls into that. She basically, I mean, she speaks her mind, but, I mean, she's not making anyone else change. She's not trying to live other people's lives. She's just raising her kids. Come and, on. And she gets fat, called fat just for, you know, talking about anything. Well, some of the stuff she says is controversial, and she knows it. I mean, it's not like she doesn't rip other people, too. Um, but, again, look at the benefits her life has gotten. She's had a huge amount of success. And it's all just about being in the public eye. Are you saying some people have it worse than others? Yeah, I think some people just end up getting hated, and there's not like hate them. And you, so you think Rosie O'Donnell's been a very nice, and then people fucking hate her for no reason. Yeah, I think I think Rosie O'Donnell is someone who tries to stay positive, and gets hated for it. I think she just falls into that category where people, no matter what she was going to say, people are already telling her, why doesn't she shut up? So what do you want to do? How do you want to handle this? Shut down the Internet? No, I don't think we should do that. But I just I'm glad uh, Gwyneth Paltrow didn't shut down her website. Well, you go there a lot. No. Um, Bill, Savannah, you're running for Hey, the reason Rosie O'Donnell gets called fat is because she's fat. Um, but that's no reason. I mean, it's that's uh, every, everyone's go-to argument against her, no matter yeah, what she says. Uh, people aren't kind, particularly internet people. We've talked about this on the show before. If you have some kind of a fucking feedback thing, there's always going to be assholes out there. That's just part of this whole game now. Again, read any fucking story that gets put on the New York Times or Washington Post or New York Post and then go read in the feedback. It's filled with crazy people. Um, but Gwyneth does okay for herself. She makes movies. She sells very expensive boots. And her husband um, farts hits. He farts hit songs right now. There's something wrong here between those two. Yeah. What and the and then they name their children after fruit. 
Uh, Charlie, you're on Fez. Ronnie, because of the Royal Tannenbaums, Gwyneth Paltrow gets a lifetime pass from me. That's very I nice. I love her in that movie so much. That's very nice of you. Um, I love that movie, too. I love it, but she ain't getting no pass. You're still on her, huh? Yeah. Fuck her. Wow. Yeah. That's right. Does that make you mad at Hicks right now? Yeah, because there's no reason to say it to Gwyneth Paltrow. Look, everybody in this country takes shit except for one person, Bill Murray. He, this is what Bill Murray did at the Packers-Chicago game. He's at the fucking game. There's a guy in sitting in front of him wearing a Packers fucking shirt, and fucking Murray pushes him. <laughs> shoves the fucking guy. Now, anyone else, we'd be saying, what an asshole. With Bill Murray, we're like, and we all do it. That's so fucking great. That's just the best thing ever. Good for Bill. We just love him. So the guy that he shoves, and normally this is a guy that would go running off to the fucking news, turns around and goes, hey, it's Bill Murray. Bill Murray's (laughs) being mean to me. This is great. So he says, can I take my picture with you, uh, Bill? And uh, but, uh, he says, uh, no. And Ray Nitschke is a pussy. He's still <laughs> fucking holding that. That's awesome. Um, Michael, Virginia, you're on the Run of show. Michael. Oh, yes. Hey. Great show, guys. Nice. Yes, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, when she had her show, she had Tom Selleck on one time, and he was there to promote some project or some movie or something he was doing, but she chose to take that opportunity to challenge him on being um, in the NRA or supporting the NRA. Uh, not very nice of her. I think Rosie is a kind of roll up her sleeves with a lot of people. I mean, she's thrown she's thrown uh, some punches before, and I think she she gets the whole business. Yeah, but I think people just like – I think she's someone that even if she uh, uh, wasn't putting stuff out there, I think they'd still try to be cruel to her. Well, we're not going to know that, are we? No. We're not going to know that until um, – if she fucking said it. And, I mean, I just went over and um, hit her name in the thing, and most of the stuff online – deals with, you know, controversial statements that she's made. And I, I certainly I wouldn't stop her. And I actually, if I had to say the truth, a lot of the stuff she says is uh, funny. I'm not one of people who doesn't think that she's funny or when you hear people say that she's not funny. But um, she definitely, you know, rips people that don't agree with her. It's kind of all part of it. Um, and at one time she was considered the queen of nice, and decided, nice. That's, you know, just her thing. Um, here's uh, Bill, Bill in New Orleans, your manifest. Hey, uh, Ryan Yes, sir. Uh, two things. I would say uh, I think uh, Bill Murray definitely deserves a pass. Uh, I would take a beating from Bill Murray and be proud of it. It's but... weird. We all feel that way about Bill Murray. I know, man. He's, he's just, he's got a magical powers or something. But uh, I had a question about uh, Rosie O'Donnell. Do you think if she was hot? that 
you know, she would carry the same controversy as she does. Like, for instance, if, it, if all the things she was saying came from, you know, a pretty face, would we feel the same about her? Would she be as controversial as she is? Well, you know, let's face it. If if you go and read any of this stuff about any of the friends, they get fucking ripped online. Uh, Bradgelina gets ripped online. Anybody who shows up with an article about them gets the hater stuff. And if you start a fucking website, you souls there say it. And a lot of fucking weak people hang around websites and say shit that they probably would never say to anybody's fucking face. It's just part of what happens in the world now. It's not that big a fucking deal. Uh, Kevin, you're in my face. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, um, Fezzi, I'm thrilled to have you back. You're doing great. I mean, so I'm not attacking you, but weren't you the one that was getting mad at Sandra Bullock for um, Blindside for no good reason? And you're talking about not getting mad at people for, you know, no good reason. Yeah, like I said, there's people that just come as unlikable. Uh, but that was I the point of what I was saying. So you're saying that that's deserved then? We should be easier on some of these people that you brought up. Uh, but the point is, if you looked at a thing, Sandra Bullock is probably one of the most likable people in the country. Julia Roberts, Oprah, all were liked. At the same time, they have sometimes an equal, but sometimes a minority people, but then a loud minority people who don't like them. Um, it's not that, you know, it's not a I don't know what to tell you. The Internet just lets more people express themselves. Yeah, it's uh Yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, it was I I just didn't understand why people didn't like Winnie Paltrow. Some people like her very much. And some people hate her for being in their fucking news for years. And some people hate her because the thing that Hicks is mad at her about is like she's kind of flaunting a lifestyle. Thank you. And in a fucking time now when a lot of people are hurting. There's a lot of people that can't make rent. And, she, you know, saying, hey, these boots are a must-have, and they're $800. You're going to get hate for that. And I'll be the one hating. Well, you tend to hate a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, you hate your own chick. No, I love her very much. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep, yeah, uh-huh. You ought to start a pro website for her, then. Okay. <laughs> Let's go over here to Dennis. You're on the run of show. Hey, what's up, guys? I just want to say, uh, I think Rosie brings it on herself. She's a bit confrontational. I've seen her start a fight with Larry David in a restaurant over paying for the check. Hmm. Um, let's go over here to Kenny. Kenny Maine, you're in Manifest. Hey, what's up, boys? Um, I just want to make the point that, you know, all these celebrities who get, who cry about getting picked on or, or scrutinized, they're completely open to that. They put themselves in the public eye for the masses to consume and, well, here's the weird thing, though, Kenny. Now every single American is in the public eye. Everybody who signs online is somehow in the public eye. And people get run off of message boards or blasted on Twitter, whatever it happens to be. It just has made everybody in the same boat, you know. Uh, I don't know where, where to take it for you, Fez. You'd like people to act nicer? Yeah, I think they should be nicer to Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. 
Oh, what about the Sandra Bullock? Um, I, if you don't enjoy a movie, I can understand that. But you said yes to punch everybody in the face that had something to do with the movie. Oh, I would. Yeah. If I was confronted, I absolutely would. What do you mean confronted? Like if they came in here and started pushing you around? I don't think that's going to happen. Mainly because none of the people that successful movie know who you are. If I walked into a restaurant and there was some sort of blindside reunion or something, I'd what probably if, just leave swinging. What if the, you just ran into any of the people on the street? I would punch him in the face. Have you seen the film? Nope, never saw it. All I saw was commercials for this thing. It would not go away. Unlike Avatar, which really was just a word-of-mouth movie. One done. Or Batman, or the Christopher Nolan. Boy, that Christopher Nolan. Um, matter of fact, when I was at the screening for this film last night, I heard a very well-known uh, TV and newspaper critic. I don't know if he's, maybe he's just straight TV, uh, say, I like all 10 films that are nominated, except for Inception. Come on. That was shit. What? And I actually, uh, I'm sitting over my seat, and I'm laughing a little bit, because I don't want to start a fucking ruckus there, because, you know, I'm not really <laughs> one of them. I'm sitting in a fucking 14-seat theater enjoying uh, uh, the film with them. Cedar Rapids, y'all. But um, I'm like, it's one of the few films that we sat around and debated this year. Oh, yeah. That's and what we were all waiting for. And I leaned on the end of, hey, it could have been better. But still, very thankful for the guy uh, for giving us in the film to watch. Now, having said that, now that it's on demand, i got no interest in watching it again. <laughs> I've had the bootleg for about six months or whatever. Can't get into it, right? <laughs> no. It's a one in the, because of a little disappointing ending, you don't really care either way. Uh, Frank, you're my Yes, Fezzi, I want to ask you a question. Do you think Sandra Bullock is hot and maybe that maybe she might change you around a little bit to go to the other side? I don't have an opinion on that either way. I don't see where she's all that beautiful. Yeah. She's kind of plain Jane to me. Mm, whatever. Did you ever see Blindside X? Blindside. You remind me of that kid. Well, yeah, I actually I mentioned, yeah. There's something about you. Except for you're a master at playing chess. They make a movie like kind of like Searching for Bobby Fischer, but with the blind side thrown in. I think it could work. I didn't see it. Did they find Bobby Fischer? No. Too bad. I like when. What about Search for the Titanic? Did they ever find that? No. Yeah, they did. It's out there in the middle of the fucking ocean. You just guessed. He is quick with an opinion, Fez. Nothing to back it up. Nothing but his bootstraps. All right, so you said this whole thing to you. You're just a giant Gwyneth Paltrow fan. Yeah, I, I just... Right, I let's thought, go through the films. What's your favorite Gwyneth Paltrow? Um, uh, I can't think of one offhand. So you just love her. Yeah, I just like Gwyneth Paltrow. Like her as a person. Mm-hmm. Like her husband's music? I've never really listened to any of it. What is it that, about her that you like so much? I just think she's a sweetheart. I think she's very nice. Unlike that really mean Sandra Bullock, who, by the way, I heard kicks puppies. I wouldn't doubt it. Right in their face. Uh, coming up a little later on in the show today, uh, Todd Snyder is stopping by.
Why not bend this motherfucker? Yeah. And then, of course, I'm trying to get Fez to box anybody from the blind side, which would be fantastic. <laughs> well, MMA, this thing. Well, I might be able to find somebody who worked just on the... I got a key grip coming in here. Knock Fez out. <laughs> uh, Todd Snyder's album, though, Live the Storyteller, uh, it's terrific. And he is a modern-day folk singer. Uh, and once again, yeah, Rustin turned us on to him. Oh, yeah, he loved it. Now do you like him now? Yeah, I do, definitely. We ought to go to Joe's Pub. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll finagle some tickets. Finagle? You're talking to Ronnie B. If you want in, you get in. I'll get you on a fucking elevator with no buttons. How's that sound to you? Pretty cool, actually. I want to play a brand new uh, game. Uh, what we'll do is all four of us come up with a scenario. What would you do? But we have to say, you do. What would you do? That was an old fucking commercial, right? Yeah. What would you do? What would you do? What was that for? Um, I think that was American Express travel checks. Oh, you, maybe you're right. You're stuck in Romania. Your hotel room's been robbed. All your cash. What will you do? What would you do? Mm. All right, let's play this one. And everybody's involved in it. Hicks, pay attention. Okay. Uh, tell Zito, pay attention. Here you go. You're driving alone at night. It's a country road. A fucking guy comes out of the bushes. He looks like he's been cut, bruised, whatever. He's calling for help. Oh, God. There's no cell phone service where you happen to be. You're in the canyons. Do you stop and help or drive on by? First, Pepper Hicks. I'll stop and help. I'll help. If he's bleeding, all looking fucked up, I'll stop and help, ask him to get in. Uh, Zito. Yeah, you got to stop and help. You got you to see what's going on. Uh, Fez? I hit the gas pedal. I keep on going. Over top of him? Uh, if he God. tries to jump on my car, yes. But he's screaming, help, help. Yeah, I'm not stopping. I don't know what's in that situation. Well, what, what, what's the fear? Um, that he was, that he just killed somebody uh-huh. and wants my car. He was in a scrap. Okay. He was, uh, and killed the person. He's trying to flag down my car like he's the victim. Right. And. So you're Twilight Zone in this son of a bitch right off the bat. Yeah. All he wants is my wheels. All right. Uh, if anybody wants to play, if you got one of these scenarios of what would you do? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Let's flip the script a little bit. She's coming out. She's bleeding. Clothes are ripped. Oh. Left titties out. Uh, she's screaming, help! Help! Uh, Hicks, still help her? Yeah, I'm helping that poor titty-popping woman. Zito? Hell yeah, her titties are out. We're going to be there. Fez, straight shoot here. What do you do? I keep... She's got a child in her hands. Child's bleeding. I keep going. Why? Because I don't know what's involved in this. I'll drive to the next town, you know, and help there since I don't have cell service. How about this? While they're doing this, car is turned over. You see a car in front of them turned over, wheels still spinning. Do you stop, Fez? No. Why? What are you worried about now? That the car is going to explode. That there's going to be a massive explosion. I'll probably put down the window and say, hey, get away from the car. Help us. Help us. 
Uh, what do you do? What do you do? Here we go. Next scenario. Three o'clock in the morning. You're in a fucking diner. Nobody else is in there. A guy is helping the waitress. Do you say, dude, give it a rest? Do you step up? Or do you let him keep on hassling her? Zito, you first. I would say, dude, give it a rest. I'd probably, you know, get the shit beat out of me, but I would, I'd be like, what are you doing, man? So, so you would even take the beat down? Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really have much choice, I think, if it's just the two of us in that, in that situation. You're wiry, though. Uh, Fez, what do you do? No, I'm not going to intervene. I would do something different. What's that? I would wait and, um, till that confrontation is over, and I'd leave the waitress a bigger tip. Since she had to deal with that asshole, but I would but not intervene. He's grabbing her titties, he's grabbing her between the legs, squeezing her ass. Um, that's it. Hicks, what do you do? I stay out of that fucking situation. Even Wait. though you see her grabbing, like, hey, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna bang you up against the wall. Yeah, I'm fu- she's just going to the fucking manager. Fucking them fucking busting. The manager right isn't up. working. Oh wow! This is the fucking situation where it's oh, on no. your shoulders. Oh Jesus! I let. No, I don't. I don't get involved. Um, what if it's a, you don't get involved? Zito's the only one who would get involved. Zito, let me flip the script just a little bit, though. What if it's a busboy? Now it's a busboy getting pushed around and hassled. Do you step in? Uh, like you kind of maybe. I don't. It's as much of a defenseless person because it's just a guy. Like, it's one of those little guys. Well, you, might, little... you still might be like, dude, lay off, and then like at least then you and the busboy kind of team up. I'd help him out. Okay. I think I'd probably fucking join in on the guy picking on a bus boy. That's not nice. How do we know? We never heard of the fucking Spanish-American War. We tried our best there. Um, Kelly, you're on the Run of Fez show. What would you do? Yeah. You come home. You catch your, You come home early. You catch your hot wife in bed with another hot chick. They invite you in to join them. Do you freak off or do you... Join them. First of all, why are you waiting to be invited? The pants come down and you do one of those Fred Flintstone dives where you're running on your toes for a while. You're up in the air. You're hanging in there. And then you come down in between them. Yeah, this one doesn't even get discussed. This is like saying, what do you do? You hit the lottery. Do you cash the fucking uh, check? Um, let's get back into this. What do you do? What do you do? You're in a store. You see somebody shoplifting, putting something down their sweater. Do you intervene? No. Not no, at all. I don't say anything. It's, it's, well, it depends on if it's like a mom and pop store. If it's a big box store, I, I just, I don't say anything. It's, it's not my place. What do you mean by a big box store? Like if it's like one of those, like a Best Buy or a uh-huh. Circuit City, I, 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 I'm an asshole because I'll be like, duh, they can probably take the loss. But if it's like some mom and right feel kind of. Fez, about what it. about you? No, I would not intervene. In fact, I would watch them, though, keep watching, see if they got away with it. Like, if they got door with their stuff. Mm. I would actually be intrigued by it. Um, Nate, Nate, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie B. Yeah. What you do? Your best friend just had his appendix removed, and he's in the hospital. Do you or pace nervously in your apartment on Roosevelt Island? It's an interesting question. Zito, do oh. you visit? Oh, you got to go visit. Bring him a Sports Illustrated, even. Current or classic? Uh, I'd say both. Hmm. Like anything with Steve Carlton on the cover would be like, holy shit, this is going to make time fly by. Now, Fez, I think that was put up for you because you didn't visit. Right. Can I defend you, though? Uh-huh. I was only in there for three fucking days, and I was going without medication. 
So I was going just full paint. Did you did you have anything to read? No. Oh. Well, that's wrong uh, because they had those uh, cups in there that had like the paper around it, and I read the back of that. Oh, like a little saying. Yeah. Great. Uh, no, it was just like uh, what they do to keep everything uh, sanitized. Um, Chris, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. What's up, man? Yeah. Hey, um, real life situation. All right. Three o'clock in the morning, knock on the door. Two tall black gentlemen come to my door, want to use the phone saying they're broke down. Um, I decided to let them in after I had the shotgun pointed at them and my tour has the uh, pistol pointed at them and everything went smooth. So, um, you immediately treat them like, but then you help. Well, I'm, I'm not going to let somebody in my, my house at three o'clock in the morning with, uh. Now, what did they say about you pointing a, a gun at them? Did they, were they offended or that was cool? Uh, oh, they were definitely afraid. And, um, I got their attention and. My 12-year-old daughter had her pistol pointed at them, and my gun pointed at them. They made their phone call, and they were on their way. Were, were the two boys playing that banjo song from Deliverance while this was going on? 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Here's David, Michigan. You're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ron. You're, you're driving around in your car. It's unfamiliar backwoods kind of country, and all of a sudden a, a kind of a snowy storm hits you. Your car is kind of shit, and it stops running. You don't know where the nearest town is. Do you sit it out in your car, hope for somebody to come by and maybe stay a little warm, or do you you go out into the woods and try to find some help somewhere? What would you do? Fez, what do you do? I'm staying in the car. I'm staying put. Zito. Oh, without a doubt, you got to stay in the car because you always see those people that go off into the woods, and mm-hmm. then like they'll be on CNN, and he's like, where are they? And it's three days later, and they're dead. In life. Keep moving. No matter what the situation is, you got to keep moving because at least then you feel like you're involved. Now, if you get off a quarter mile, nothing's showing up, a half mile, you can always come back to the car. But you're going to leave a note on the car, uh, and then you got to keep moving. You don't want to just stand around it's quite seriously like a fucking uh, idiot. Um, Sean, San Antonio. Hey, Ron. Hey, Fez. Hey, Fez. Okay, you're at the mall. You see a, a, a parent strike their 13- or 14-year-old kid in the face and draws blood. What would you do? Fez Watley, you're out somewhere. You see somebody slap the fucking kid. What do you do? I would I would call the police. I would intervene in that one. No cell phone. Oh, okay. Um, I would intervene. Now, why are you intervening there? And you're not helping a bloody baby and the bloody mom with the car turned over. What makes the situation different for you? I've seen this situation in the mall unfold. Mm -hmm. I feel like I have all the facts on that one. The thing where I'm just driving by and this situation has already occurred, I don't know what's involved in that. What if you see a car turn over in front of you? Do you stop and start helping? Uh, Then I would stop and uh, and help. You just fell for the oldest fucking Mexican bandit fucking bit. Really? They turn the car over in front of you, you pull over behind them, and they come out of the woods. It's a fucking whole stunt thing. You just got your throat slit. Now, here's the thing when you're trying to help a kid. Never walk over and do that. Here's what you, because the kid's going to get the fucking shit beat out of him later. You just got the kid hurt. What you need to do is act like you're doing something 
And then you bump into the fucking guy and you're going like this. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then you fucking start on his shit from that. You fucking pull him away from the fucking area. But you got to give him a watch what you're doing. I'm fucking walking through here and fucking man up on him. You turn him like that. And then what you hope to do is humiliate him in front of his own children. Dig a fucking eye out and go like this. And then while you're doing it, you're yelling at the kids. Don't worry. Someday you're going to grow up and you'll be able to fucking do this too. And then when you leave, take his fucking wallet, take the fucking license out, give him another fucking kick, and always scream this thing, I know where you live. I know where you live. That way they think to themselves, holy shit, I thought this thing was over. I guess it ain't. Um, Mike, you're on the Run of Fetish show. Hey, what's up, bro? How you guys doing? Yeah. What, what would you do? If Chad Ochocinco was watching him make incredible catches on television and you needed to talk to him, would you get up and turn off the TV or would you let him finish the segment? Uh, people are just trying to think of fucking crazy Fez things. One time when Ochocinco came in here, Fez turned off the fucking TV that he was watching himself on ESPN and then Ocho went like this. Oh, man. Like, Fez just came over and took a half a bowl of cereal away from him. It's fucking hysterical. You don't make a lot of choices, Fez, but the ones that you make are always fucking funny. And you don't even look back on that like it's amusing, do you? Oh, no, no, no. The ones I make are horribly wrong. All right. Here, um, here's your next what would you do. You have a neighbor, elderly neighbor who waits outside to talk to you every day. Do you find a way of stopping this, or do you spend time with that person? Zito. Every so often I talk to them, but some of the time I would definitely like fake cell phone calls and stuff and just... So, and just give the wave. But you would try to give a little bit back because you see like an elderly person who needs a friend. Yeah, every so often, for sure. Fez, you're bothering your younger neighbor. Do you want them to keep talking to you or... No, what do you do? I would talk to the elderly person every day. Every single day? Every day. I would, you know, if I had to leave early, you know, to do it, I would try to give him some time every day if I knew he was waiting out there for me. What do you, what do you get from that? Um, I just make him feel a little bit better. And on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, how's it going? Uh, all right, so some guy, you know, viciously murdered the person you love most in this world. And at his trial, a cop sits down next to you. You take his gun and blow his brains out, but you obviously lose everything because everyone saw you do it. What do you do? Well, you've already done it. You've already fucking done it. You've not given us the choice. I mean, here's the thing. that That is from a place of madness. Understandable, relatable madness. But the fact is we can't have a society and let people do that. Now, it's a lot different if you thought the guy got away. Do you go after him? Even then. Even then, you can't sit around. Like, we can identify with anyone who does something that fucking crazy. But we can't have a society where we're acting like that's the only thing you can do. Um, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It's America's favorite new game show. What do you do? What do you do? Um, Brad, Brad, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, what's up, guys? Yeah. What do you do if 
your friend has a terminal illness that they'll only live about six months, but then they also need a kidney transplant, and you're a match, but they'll only live about three more months. So here's the weird thing about that. We all will say, yeah, I'm going to give it to them. But push comes to shove, you always see those stories where people don't do it, where they fucking panic. Um, Fezzi, you think you can answer this one, though? I think I, uh, yeah, I would give the kidney. Everybody believes that about themselves. Nobody would say, I wouldn't give the kidney. And yet, we always read fucking stories that people go, look, I can't do this. I cannot fucking do it. But it's one of those things that we all believe, yes, I will do it. But when push comes to shove, I guess you'll have to wait till you're in that situation. Now, Fez, what would have you give your friend a kidney, even though he would, wouldn't live, but not visit your friend in the hospital? How, you know, how does that go down? Zito, what do you think? Why, why Fez would give a kidney or... And not visit a friend. And that same friend in the hospital, Fez wouldn't stop by with Sports Illustrated. I think, you know, it's it's like pretty tough to pick up a Sports Illustrated and, you know, there aren't really a lot of newsstands around. So maybe it's just the kidney's easier to do to give the kidney. Hmm. I didn't think of it that way. I mean, visiting is pretty tough. All right. Here's the thing. There, That goes to show you. That fucking Zito kid has your back, Fez. That's your fucking wingman right there. And you didn't even realize it. I think he's just sarcastic. What part was sarcastic? Uh, pick up a Sports Illustrated. But, well, is it? No, it's not. Well, then why would be, giving the kidney be so much easier? I'm I'm really uh, not familiar with it. Nick, uh, Denver, you're on a fez. Roddy B, Fizzy Dubs, I got a what would you do? Yeah. My family and my friends post all my stuff online, like Facebook, all that stuff. I'm not into that, man. Uh, do I walk in there with the tack hammer, hit their fucking desktop? Do I talk to them about it? What do you do? Yeah, I don't think you overreact, but I don't think you have a problem with saying, I'm not fucking comfortable with my stuff being out there. It's very weird. I know family and friends, the Facebook stuff is starting trouble with people that aren't kids at all. I'm talking about people who are well into their adult years that are following Facebooks with family members that they're fighting about, then commenting back on their Facebooks. I don't fucking keep one. And, you know, neither does my chick for the very thing of how do you get involved in this? I know people that are family members of mine who are on Facebook with old friends of mine who I haven't seen in a million years. And now I have to hear stories. I got a fucking call two days ago about a kid I knew when I was like 12 who got killed. And I'm sitting around thinking to myself, all right. Am I sad about this? Yeah, I'm very sad. But I never would have known this news. This person was out of my life. Why am I having these childhood fucking memories and feeling awful about life? Because everybody else wants to fucking live looking in the rearview mirror. This nostalgia game that we fucking play because we're afraid to live in the present. This person's on drugs. That person got divorced. That's not his real kid. I'm now forced to hear this stuff. Because family members get very, very involved in that. It's very, very weird. 
but there's other people mad at other family members because they're looking on their Facebook. And every time it fucking gets brought up to me, I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't do anything with Facebook. That's all I can do. I can act like I don't even know what it is. Craziness out there. Um, here is Chris in Alabama. You're on fest. Hey, Ron. Sound like a million bucks. You know what? I feel like a buck. Oh, well, you should feel better than that. Mm. I got a what would you do? All right. What um, would you do? You have an ex. You get an, an ex-wife, ex-girlfriend, whatever. You have children with her. She is constantly calling the cops trying to have you arrested. Every time you come home, the cops are there with a warrant. Do you try and stay in the state to work it out so you have visitation with your kids and can see them? Knowing that she's eventually going to have you thrown in jail for something stupid. Um, it is so more common than we know now. But it's not making your kids any happier either. You know what I mean? Yep. This lunacy of people going, well, I've got to be uh, fucking kids. It always fucking kills me about these men. I don't, I, selfishness that involved with this. If there is really some kind of love thing, you got to think, how do I stabilize the kid, no matter what that costs me? Real fucking... Yeah, I was watching that episodes the other night, and the Joey character, who's some, and I'm sure this isn't going on in his real life, his thing is he's all crushed because he can only see his kids every two weeks. I'm like, that's for you. You think these fuck? They don't want to be involved in this. How would you like to be fucking 14 and force the miniature golf with your fucking dad? It would be a mare. I live with both my parents. I probably went six years without really talking to my dad that much for a while, other than about baseball. But, you know, we kind of went our own ways for a long, long time. Even though he was... It's not like... It's very weird. Want to be so much more involved. Where my dad could get by by being a dad just going like this. You and your friends are bums. And I'd be like, all right, don't start on me. Don't fucking start. Seriously. I see him standing up there. A divorce has the balls to say that to his kids. He's doing that. Hey, let's sit down and talk. Come on, Skipper. Let's sit down and talk this over. You're really not the kind of the same kind of a fucking dad as if you would be if they were uh, there together. Very, very weird. Uh, Nick, Iowa, you're on Run Fez. Hey, Ron, I got a real one for you here. You're out of work for a year. You got the most important interview of your life. Just minutes away. Got a little gas. You go to park and shit yourself. What do you do? You're out. You don't get that job. The universe is that's not the job for you. Yeah, you cannot sit in someone's office with chance. Yeah, you would sit in an unmask like that. Well, and have the fucking the host and the fucking guest looking all around the room the entire time. Not to mention the people in the fucking thing going, why does it smell like a dirty diaper? Oh, shit smell. It's true. Um, 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. All right, here we go. Your friend's spouse coming on to you. Do you rat her out? Do you say to your friend, look, you're fucking passed out the other night. Your chick start fucking grabbing my balls and rubbing her fucking tits in my face. Um, Fez, this is one that you've never had to deal with. No. Nope. So I'm going to go over here to Zito and Hicks. Do you ever fucking rat this bitch out? 
fuck no. It's just like if if he doesn't know, it's just kind of like just tell her like what are you doing? Like yeah, kind of talk to her and say like that's terrible. All right. Let's suppose this. You have a chick. When you leave the room, she starts fucking around with Chris Stanley. You don't want to know about this? She does this frequently? Let's say she even did it once. If she did it once, and we all know it, do you want to be the guy walking around with her? See, this was, uh, no, but I, I think I'd rather just be ignorant on the whole thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. So you would, you would be able to be the thing. You, you bring your chick around going, hey, this is it. You're always kissing her. And like all the rest of us are like laughing going, hey, did you hear? She's been fucking around with the guy from Hits One and we're all giggling about it. All right. No, that would be bad. I guess that would be bad. Um, let's go over to Chris Stanley's. Chris Stanley, do you tell if your fucking friend's chick starts fucking hitting on you? Yeah, I'll drop a dime. I don't want my buddy to go through life like that. Fucking rat. Dropped a dime from my buddy. Well, now I'm wondering how many other things you're fucking talking about. You're like fucking, seriously, you're running a fucking gossip column out here. Oh, no, I am, I'm not a printer of any gossip. Oh, is that right, that's, TMZ? That's, that's true. All right. Michelle Georgia, what do you do? What do you got for me? Michelle. Oh, hey, guys. So you really like a girl, um, you have herpes, sorry, that's the first part, and you really like this girl, do you tell her and risk losing her, or do you go ahead and just sleep with her and pray that nothing happens? Why can't you slip that condom on? Uh, you don't have one. No, you don't fucking, you don't start fucking around with some girl when you know that you could give her a disease, that's fucking, that's hillbilly, honey. That's the kind of stuff that you debate in Georgia. All right. You're a good man, Ronnie B. No, I'm just north of the Mason-Dixon line. Don't get all, you know, this is not a moral thing, but you just don't do that to another person. You don't pull that off. Um, cigars and Scotch, you're on Ronnie Fez. What would you do? You're an average income family. You book an expensive vacation. The day you're about to leave, you get an answering machine message. Close relative dies. Do you pretend you didn't get the call in time? I mean, this is somebody you care about? Is it a dad? Is it a... I could be yeah, fairly care, but it's a good vacation. I know, but you're saying fairly care. Do you feel like you need to be there for the family? Well, no, there's other relatives. No, do you <laughs> yourself feel like you need that bonding experience? No. No, then no. <laughs> and I, I, I would even act like, hey, I answered it, the call. Uh, we're going to be gone. I'm sure Uncle Louie would fucking know that we love him, and uh, that'll be it. Well, then you look like a shitbag to the rest of the family, though. Then, then, you know, you're letting yourself fucking being judged by people that really you disagree with. This whole thing about family always fucking surprises me. You know what I mean? Like, why is there people that we don't even hold that much in common with that we would rather lie than express ourselves? Because they gave me money on my birthday. All right, see, that's exactly it. Then, you, then you're a bitch, and you got to act like one if that's the case. If you are a child, then you have to act like a child. But if you're a fucking man and comfortable in your own life, then you have to say, this is the way I run things now. And I'll be around when I'm around. I I can't imagine how many adults they run into. They're like, my parents have all this. Well, why are you going over there? Well, because they're my parents. You wouldn't take this from anyone else. Why do we act like we want freedoms in this country when any time freedom shows up, we can't wait? the fucking run away from it.
It's fucking amazing to me. Uh, Joel, you're on the Run of Fez show. That's Joel from Jersey? Yeah. Yeah, uh, my sister put a picture of my kid on her Christmas card without my knowledge or my consent. And I was ready to break her fucking head open. Now, this is a Jersey problem. Now, why would she do this? Because she's black shit crazy. I mean, was it just her and your kid? No, it was her and her husband and my kid. Now, did they... What? <laughs> now, what did it say on the cards? Us with our nephew? No, it didn't say anything. It said Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Now, what is your beef with it? What are you worried about your kid's picture being on this? Uh, well, it's crazy. It's weird, don't you think? It is weird, but does any harm come to your kid? Uh, well, there's more to it, but I don't know if I want to go into it. I, I don't trust this guy. I think he's got potential, if you know what I mean. Then you got to pull your kid back. If yeah. you have, I mean, it's your job as a dad, if you feel even the slightest danger for your minor kid to say, I don't want you in that situation. But that has nothing to do with whether they're on the Christmas card. Whether they're on the Christmas card doesn't feel like that big a deal to me. Now, the fact that you don't trust this guy, yeah, then the kid can't house. And you'd be surprised how many are like people are like, boy, Uncle fucking uh, Earl really makes me nervous. And then they still drop the kids off there anyway. It's fucking true. They do it. I just think your fucking deal with your kid is I'm going to keep you safe from weirdness. Maybe you made the wrong decision, but that's the deal. Um, John, Alabama, you're in Montefes. Hey, Ronnie, what would you do? Mm -hmm. you got a crystal meth lab across the street from your home. Do you stay on the cops, or do you let the guy do what he wants to do just to make a living? Is he bothering you? Does it feel like the, he's made the neighborhood dangerous? Yes. And uh, as a matter of fact, last summer, uh, one of his clients decided to uh, test out making pipe bombs. And it went off in the middle of the road, and, and shrap metal wound up on our yard. We had the FBI, and it. I was traveling at the time, and I just felt... I felt unsafe for my family. Yeah, that's a fucking, you know, that's a scary thing. And, and here's the weird thing. Guys that run meth labs aren't, um, well, they're not big thinkers. Uh, they could do something really fucking crazy. I had a guy, I never even bring this up. I had a guy across the street from me uh, at one of the places I was living. It was running a meth lab. And I became such good friends with him. And we would sit up all night watching fucking movies and just fucking wired so that's one way to do it just make the guy your buddy because he'll be your fucking worst enemy or your best buddy it's up to you what you want to be um Matty Rochester we're playing what would you do yeah what would you do if you had the ability to find out where and when you're gonna die do you want to know or not and you can't change it you can't change it where and when you're gonna die Fezzi would you want to know uh, I don't want to know. All right, let me just... Now, let me ask you right away. What would scare you about it? Uh, just knowing that that clock is... That now there's a actual clock on it. Mm -hmm. But here's the other side of it. Now that you know where and when you're going to die, you're free to live the rest of your life and try all the things that scare you. You could go... Javert Plains, climbing Mount Everest, uh, doing all the things that keep you from enjoying life. So, oddly, 
that might give you a chance for a guy like yourself who's never really enjoyed life to go out there and enjoy life because you realize it almost like it turns like this. When you're on vacation, let's say you're on vacation in Hawaii and you're like, we're going to be here for six days, five nights. You will do more in that fucking time than you've done the entire year leading up to that. You're not going to be in Hawaii watching the fucking Brady Bunch. You know what I mean? You're not going to be in Hawaii worrying about this or that. You're going to try to fill as much life as you can into that short time. Maybe that would be the fucking cool thing for life. That now you're like, uh, are you going to stay home and watch that American Idol tonight? Fuck no. I've only got three more years. I'm going to go to a Portuguese restaurant. You're going to do start and do all kinds of shit. You'd find yourself scuba diving, being curious about the world. It, and it already is true that the clock is ticking. And you even caught yourself doing that. You didn't want to, you know, go in that direction. You're kind of going in and out. But your clock is ticking. Maybe that would be a great way to do it. Um, Mike, Mike in the Bronx, your manifest. Love the reverse advice show, but I got one for you. What would you do? What would you, you do? Have a th- you have a three-week-old, and uh, you just find out that your father-in-law is a raging drug addict and won't quit using anything. Do you let your father-in-law be involved with the baby's life or no? Um, and you, uh, now, involved in what way? Like, to see him while you're there, or you drop the kid off with him? Like, you're letting them see the kid. You're letting him get to know the kid, and you're letting the kid get to know him, even if you're there or not. With you being there, then it'll eventually turn into him wanting to see the baby alone. So where do you go with all this? Well, again, you set up whatever fucking rules in your life that you want. You know what I mean? It sounds like you want the guy out of your life, whether you have a kid or not. <laughs> right? Much. Yeah. yeah. So, so don't use the kid as a fucking excuse. You know what I mean? But the point is this. It's your life that's your kid, and you do what you want. Now, like Cigars and Scotch says... They might not buy you nice Christmas presents. You might not end up in their fucking will or people getting fucking pissed at you. But just like Rosie and Gwyneth Paltrow have to fucking learn that there's always repercussions for things that you do. So you got to say, is it worth it for me to fucking live with that? And there's no reason. This guy could be the greatest guy in, in the world. You might not like him in your life. Might not have anything to do with anything else other than I don't like that guy. Now, know this, your wife might get mad at you, your mother-in-law, whatever, but make your choices. You're not a fucking victim. Um, And this is different than if you go through your life just trying to fake by whatever you have to do to get people to like you for a short period of time. Because I think we do that all the time. Well, if I go there, they'll act like they like me, and then even though I'm resentful, I like the feeling of being liked. Then don't bitch about it. Be that kind of fucking person who goes, I'm trying to do what I can do to make other people like me. Or you could say, look, I've decided this is fucking the way I want to live my life. And this is it. I'd rather not hang out with a fucking drug addict, particularly to have them around my kids. Um, here is, uh, let's go over here to, um, let's go to Mike. What would you do? When your child's preschool teacher 
while everybody, you, her her husband's in the room, your wife is in the room, everybody's shithoused, and she starts grabbing your crotch and trying to stick her tongue down your throat. Well, first of all, what, what are you doing getting fucked up with your kid's preschool teacher? Well, you've, you've gone out with them for dinner a couple of times. Exactly. Uh, how are you ending up? This should not ever be social situations. Always surprises me how let people let themselves get into this. I thought they were having a school open house with a full bar. Over a little joke there. Yep. Where's a pound? Where's a pound? What are I giving you a pound for? For uh, having a joke. Feel good about it? Yeah, I feel good about a joke. All right. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Um, Aaron, you're on the Run Fez show. Hey, what's up, boys? All right. You're sitting in the... Sitting in your garage working out, you got the door open. It's night. Some guy walks in and starts talking to you like he's like he's a solicitor, but it's at nighttime. You bash his skull in. Hear what he's gonna say? All right, now you don't know who this guy is. Right? Yeah, never seen him before in your life. I don't think you need to bash his skull in just to fucking explain him. This is a private residence. Yeah, but it's at night. Isn't that a little weird? Like, he's just kind of showing up in the middle of the night, almost. It's like 9 o'clock. Yeah, I get it. But, I mean, you don't have to just start bashing. You can say this is a private residence, uh, you know, leave. And then if he's not leaving, then, you know, you might have to get physical. But you don't need to come up swinging. Yeah, we get a lot of solicitors here, but that was the weirdest one. He just, like, violated my space by he just walked right into the garage. Well, the violated the space is so fucking interesting, isn't it? Like, let's face it, if you were in the driveway, you wouldn't be freaked out, right? No, but, not at all. But for some reason, because you're over another seven feet with, you know, a whole courthouse open that the guy probably walked in two or three feet if he was just talking to you, you'd be like, no thanks. So, really, I don't know why we fucking panic so much over this weird space stuff. And I noticed since I moved to New York, people uh, have less of a space thing than people in the suburbs do. People in the suburbs get weirded out if someone drives down the street that they don't know. They start calling their neighbors. Who's? I think we panic and worry too much, to tell you the truth. Ryan, you're on the Run of Fest show. Ryan from Ohio? Yeah. Yeah, Ronnie, you just brought some play in my life. I've got to, I'm leaving the country, and uh, my parents have raised my brother's kid. Uh, basically, my brother's white trash, his ex-wife's white trash. My parents are the only stable person in this kid's life. They're coming to babysit our kids when we leave the country. Um, I need to tell my parents, look, I don't want, although he's a good kid, he's exposed to other things our kids have time in the basement or whatever they're doing, he can say things that I don't want my kids to hear. Right. So I'm going to tell my parents and be like, hey, they can't, they can't have alone time. As they're here all week or the 10 days, there's no doubt that like, they need to be monitored because I don't want my kids hearing stuff that I don't want them hearing. Right. Now, in the meantime, can you trust your parents with that, though? Uh, well, I mean, I can. I think I can if, I, if I'm alone. I say, hey, look, this is the way it's got to be. Right. No, that may hurt your feelings because, in a way, I'm I'm saying this about this about my brother's son. Which right. He's just a kid; he deserves a chance like any other kid. But, but still, he is exposed to things that ours aren't. Right. And I don't want him exposing them to whatever he knows, whether you know. So, can I trust him with that? I hope so. I don't I have know. No choice. 
I don't know because you're you're the one who's like leaving the country and leaving your kids behind with somebody else. You know what I mean? With like my parents. I mean, they raised me. I know. I fucking get that completely. But in the same time, they're loyal to you, and they're also loyal to these other fucking people. And like you said, you came up with with a good premise here. They didn't fuck up when they raised you. Now, what are you doing right. making rules for them like they were fucking? Children? I know, right? I think about that too. Maybe I'm just wrong about about that. And just bringing it up at all. So, so maybe here's the thing to do. Maybe instead of saying, look, here's what I want you to do. Why not just go to your parents and say, here's what concerns me. And I'm going to tell you why it concerns me. And laying it out there that way. Right. And maybe they'll be on your side saying, look, we don't want you to be concerned about this. We're on the job. And that will come across a lot better than if. And then in the opposite, I'm like, hey, these kids need to be together. Then, you know, now you got a bigger fucking problem. You know, right. but on the other side of it, just like we're talking about all the time, like you can make your choices, but you can't make the choice for how other people want to live. You know what I mean? That's what I was talking about with that uh, Charlie Sheen thing. Everyone in this country wants to figure out what Charlie Sheen's going to do when you don't have anyone in your life whose problems are as good as fucking Charlie Sheen's. Nobody. You don't. Everyone's like, well, he gave that woman thirty thousand dollars. He's making two million dollars a week. $30,000 is like you throwing a fucking fiver to a stripper. doesn't mean shit. For some reason, we love this idea that from a distance we can fix it all. Um, and we can't even take care of our own shit. Coming up in just a little bit, uh, Todd Snyder on the Ron Fez Show. Todd Snyder on the Ron Fez Show. Um, why don't you check out ToddSnyder.com. For his websites, and also he's going to be at Joe's Pub tonight and tomorrow night. And also, I want to put this out here. We haven't mentioned it today, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, we've got a really cool unmasked coming up with a legend, Dick Cabot. And it's your chance to sit in the, this very small room for an hour, hear him tell his stories. And there's nobody in show business uh, in that last century that Dick Cabot doesn't know and have great stories about, as well being a very, very funny man himself. I think it's going to be one of the coolest um, days we've ever spent doing Unmasked. So go over to 202 Friends or Unmasked Show, either one of those on Twitter, and make up for it because it's going to be a great one. Um, let's go over here to uh, Andrew. Andrew, you're on the Run of Fest Show. Hey, Ronnie B. Uh, I got a kid in high school, 15, right? And uh, he's in a private school. It's about 20 grand a year. And, you know, he's fucking up. He's doing just enough to get by, you know, getting C's and D's and whatever. And should I pull him out and put him in the public school? But I know in the long run it's not going to be good. He's not going to get into the right college and everything. Else. Maybe the kid doesn't belong in the right college. He's not getting good grades. No, nah, but he can. You know, it's just he's doing enough to get by, just showing up to class, not studying, that kind of stuff. Right. But that's the kind of kid that maybe college isn't going to do any good for anyway. Right, right. I mean, what is this whole thing about... Uh, this kid has to go to college. Whose dream is that? His or yours? Uh, it's more like the moms, you know. Right. So right. That, this is the weird thing that we've gotten into in this country, where somehow college becomes this important thing, and then we've got these kids coming out of college that tell us that they didn't do anything but fuck off for four years, and they've kind of gotten to this point where the college education doesn't even mean that much to the rest of society because everybody's going. When a college education used to mean something, it's because no one is going. 
it seems to me that it would be much more impressive to figure out what the kid wants to do and if there's some kind of school other than college that that applies to, you know? Yeah, I know. He's an artist, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe just go straight to an art school, you know? And then, really, what does it matter what kind of fucking uh, his English or science or math skills are like, you know? I mean, if you're going to be an artist, you're already saying, I'm stepping out of society, and I'm not doing any of this for money. So why are you putting up twenty grand a year now? And then you're going to go another thirty, forty grand a year for college. You're looking at two hundred fucking thousand dollars that gone by, and this kid's not really giving a shit about it. Yeah, I'm gonna be working till I'm a hundred. I know. Take that, bro. All right, we're gonna go into a break here. Uh, coming up in just a little bit. Uh, Todd Snyder on the run of face live. The storyteller. Um, is the new, and I think it's a double, yeah, it's a double CD thing. And this kid is, uh, I say kid, he's been on the road for 23 years. But there's something kind of youthful. And he's a great fucking example of a guy who went his own way, you know. Uh, And again, you pay whatever price there is for that, too. Everybody's got to fucking pay the weight. You can't get around it. Uh, We're going to break here. We'll be back in just a couple minutes, and Todd Snyder coming up soon on The Ron and Fez Show. You're listening to The Ron and Fez Show on The Virus, Sirius XM. Hey, this is Big Kev. Join me and the other guy for another compelling episode of Big Kev's Geek Stuff on The Virus. The latest in news, movies, comics, product reviews, video games, we cover it all. No boring politics, no crappy sports. This is the show with all the stuff you're afraid to talk about in public. We're going to talk about it. If it's happening in geek culture, it'll be on Big Kev's Geek Stuff, Saturday at midnight Eastern on The Virus. Yo, what's up? This is Bam Margera. And I'm Tony Hawk. If you like aggressive, high-energy music, you're going to love Faction. Tons of punk, some old-school hip-hop. And hard rock. Did I mention punk? Yeah, you did. It's the music of action sports. Tony Hawk. Bam Margera. Marky Ramone. Johnny Mosley. Jason Ellis. And the music of action sports. It's all on. Right now. Sirius 28, XM52. Check out Faction. Want to play all the latest video games without paying $60 each to buy them? Try Gamefly.com, the number one video game rental service. Gamefly has over 7,000 titles, including the hottest new releases like Dead Space 2, Little Big Planet, The Run and Fez Show. Dude, you're a little bitch. I am not. I don't even know why I hang out with you guys. Because you're a piece of shit. I am not a piece of shit. Yeah, but you're a little bitch. Sure. God damn it, man. I swear you guys whip on me 13 or 14 more times. I'm out of here. Let's be undecided. Let's take our time. Sooner or later, we'll know our minds. We'll be on the outside. Ron Fez Show, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ, 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. It's 
still don't know where I'm going to my football bet. Follow me with the pack. Maybe the points are going to move a little more on the Steelers with so many people picking the Packers. I just don't see it as the slam dunk that all these Packer fans do. I think it's going to be a really, I'm hoping, it's going to be a really great Super Bowl. I definitely will be. Well, Aaron Rodgers gets knocked down like in the first two plays. And then... Ooh, your mouth cuts here. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be a giant shit fest. <laughs> well, we were playing uh, What Do You Do a little earlier. And tell me that uh, that just doesn't open up. Uh, loads of possibilities. Fez, you're feeling better than ever today. You said you're on top of it. Tomorrow starts your new program. You either this is your last day of coming. Either coming in in a good mood and happy and ready to work, or sausage and eggs for Chris Stanley. And I think we all agree that this fucking shrink isn't working. No, 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 no. That's now you'll like this. Fez was just telling me during the break. The shrink has invited him to a workshop this weekend. Oh, God. Is it on Sunday? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what the It's fuck? Saturday and Sunday. Oh, my God. Both days? Yeah. You're going to go fast? Well, I said I would go Saturday. The therapist said, you can't make it Sunday. And I said, well, doctor, I don't know if you realize this, but you uh, planned your workshop on Super Bowl Sunday. And he said, he goes, that was the only time we could get the place that uh, that well, we wanted. Then also Christmas. You could get one on Christmas and Thanksgiving. I go, that's why it was available. No one else is booking anything on Super Bowl Sunday. How many people are supposed to be there? I think there's supposed to be like 25 people there. Mm. 25, 30. 25 big football fans. I think, do you want to get better? Yes. You ought to go both days. Make a commitment. Double down. Do it the right way. Do 100%. For once in your life, give 100%. Well, when I told him, I said I couldn't make it for uh, Sunday because of the Super Bowl, he said, uh, don't bring up that Super Bowl thing to the other people on Saturday. What? Football anonymous? F.A. I don't want to let them know the big games today. Do you think this thing could make you better? Um, it, I I don't know. I I uh, I don't think so. Why did you just hit yourself in the head? Because I'm just so unfocused and undecided. Eggs and sausage tomorrow if you're in that mood. Oh, no, no I, might feel bad if I get a sandwich. <laughs> Well, I saw Higgs first this morning, and I'm like, uh, as we always do, I go, what kind of mood is Watley in? He goes, oh, jeez. <laughs> I think when I'm coming up, the elevator, Fez is going down the other way to do his walk. Yeah. And we kind of miss each other on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. And then, like, even if I'm out front having a smoke... Says, like, well, I'm going to go do my walk. Like, he has to do the exact same things every day. And I'm always thinking to myself, why would you do the exact same things that made you feel bad the day before? Wouldn't that be like the jinx that you would be trying to break? 
All right, coming up very, very um, soon, a very cool unmasked uh, Dick Cavett. And uh, you can check that out on 202 Friends. Uh, that should be a fun one. Uh, and uh, as of right now, we're getting ready for an interview with Todd Snyder, uh, who's one of the outlaw country guys, and quite frankly, a real folk singer in um, the tradition of so many great folk singers in this country. Uh, and Rustin, the intern, this was a guy that Rustin constantly uh, was saying, please, let's get him on the show. And he would always send me stuff before I even knew Rustin. He was sending me Todd Snyder stuff. Now, he's done this with like a couple guys, but this is one of his true favorites. And um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, when people talk about Todd Snyder, they make a big deal about the fact that he'll go around traveling the country, playing all different sized rooms by himself with a guitar. And people are like, oh, can you imagine being on the road for 23 years? And I'm like, every comic I've ever known lives the same life. It's just because he has a guitar, you know, it's seen differently. But um, he's made a nice life for himself now. And uh, why wouldn't he? You know, he's built up this audience. And uh, the last album that he made before this one, his producer was Don Was from Hicks' all-time favorite band, Was, Was Not. I think Don Was just did the last Stones album yeah, and so on and on, just... Phenomenal, phenomenal uh, career. Amazing. So for a producer like that to take you on, you know what's happening. And um, we also talk about the fact that there's not a lot of people writing uh, good songs today. And uh, I remember the first song I heard by him. And this was a couple years before I even knew it was him. And it was the Doc Ellis doing acid song uh, while he pitched a no-hitter. And... As a kid, I was always obsessed with that story because it, you know, some, if you have an interest or whatever, but when your two interests are brought together, baseball and asset, it's phenomenal. Um, so he writes these songs, some of them are amusing, um, some of them are kind of heartbreaking, and I think you'll get a big kick out of them uh, if you haven't heard them, and if, and if you have, it's good to know that his career is just, uh, keep moving in the right direction, so, uh. It's Tyler Live, The Storyteller is the album. Skyline, this kind. 
I'm still mad about the slow bar I guess that's just the way things are Something good along Then it's gone It's kind of like Phoenix Radio We used to listen Then where did it go? It went off of the air So that more Cheryl Crow could come on Come on East Nashville skyline Crossing over to a state of Snyder's CD that's out right now and tied in studio. How you doing, man? Great, man. I'm th- thankful to be here. Thanks for inviting me. It's uh, great to have you stop by, and in this kind of weather, you're all dressed for it. You're all ready. <laughs> yes, I, pre- I was prepared for cold. <laughs> I just got off the plane and headed here. Oh, did you really? Yeah. See, I want to think that you're traveling around by freight train, but that's just me. I want to hitchhiking. People yeah. are like, you didn't hitchhike? <laughs> Everybody wants to believe that it was before yeah. you started making money. Yeah, yeah. 
But you're traveling in style now. Things are going well for yeah, you. Yeah, we do pretty good. We've yeah. had a good few years. The whole, the whole deal, like from the time I was 19 and saw Jerry Jeff and decided this is it, all mm-hmm. the way, that was 23 years ago to now, I can't complain. I People in the music industry or whatever you call it, but I haven't, I've been really lucky. Well, because you went and did your own thing. I mean, it's not like you went to... Uh, you know, Hollywood and waited in line or what came to right. New York or even in Nashville, you decided, look, I'm going to go out and play music, not I'm waiting for a hit song or American Idol or whatever right. shit people are doing now. When I was young, I did. I, even My very first time I got a record contract, I told them, I was like, I'm not going to give you hit songs or anything. I'm mm-hmm. just going to tour until I'm blue in the face, which is why I wanted to see the country and, and other countries, too, and I got to. So, um, but that path work again for for young people out there. Do you think anybody could suddenly go? You know what? After I saw Todd, now I know what I want to do. I I I would like to think so. There's a young guy right now named Hayes Carl that I like a lot. That I think is kind of similar. We're we're sort of similar. He's his own thing, but he's doing really good. And mm-hmm. uh, I I have a lot of friends that we call we call it a you know music without agenda. Or my little company's called Aimless Inc. And mm-hmm. Just doing it for the fun or the reward of it, you know. There's people out there that make a decent living at it. But, you know, it's even the kind of people that you've always admired, yeah. uh, Chris Christopherson sure. or John Prine. Those people are always on the outside, too. It's not like, oh, life was easier for yeah. them or it was open to them. Yeah, no, it was a struggle. And yeah. I've, I've gotten to know both of those guys. Or I wouldn't say it's a struggle because once you decide that you want to be this person or this uh, uh what is it the, the pilgrim that J- that chris christopherson yeah. sings about uh you you've already crossed the you're not looking at the scoreboard anymore that yeah. was two acid trips ago well here's the thing did you hear his last album the closer to the bone you love it it's unbelievable love it. and when i got the chance to you know do something with him and i'm just like this is so I honestly think he's, and I'm not even sure where he is, I guess he's in the 70s, yeah. but I'm like, these may be some of the best songs yeah. he's ever written. Yeah, he's too, he, he got real back into his music a few years ago and has made a, with these Don Was records, he just, he's right. just at the top of his game still. Uh, and I've gotten to see him play a couple times in the last few years too. He's always been very passionate about what he does, but I can tell that he's really into the music. Yeah, I saw him open for Prine, um... I guess it was back just when the war was starting. It was like an outdoor thing. He came out by himself and was, you know, taking the audience on about the war and stuff. Yeah. And you know what I'm like? You would think these would be the people yeah. who would back him 100%. But he's still out there yeah. battling and throwing yeah. elbows. Man. Yeah, I like that about him. <laughs> yeah. I really, I'm a big, huge fan of his. Yeah. Um, and then the other th- name that always comes up, too, and, and weirdly enough, and a lot, with a lot of people, that he played with was Shel Silverstein, oh. who... Uh, Oddly, like like David Mamet will bring it up. Yeah. No matter who I'm talking to from what walk of life, yeah. that guy considered a peer of. Doesn't matter what type of work David. Yeah, doing. God, because he did poetry, cartoon. Yeah. He's probably for me the main songwriter. Uh, probably, I don't know if I'd give him my favorite, but I know that when I when I'm working on my own stuff, he's probably the biggest influence I have. And that yeah. comes from a guy. My mentor when I was young was a guy named Kent Finley, and he turned me on to Shel Silverstein, the songs he writes for Bobby Bear, if you're looking for him. Yeah. Get Bobby Bear records, and there's a crazy amount of Shel Silverstein songs on there. And isn't it weird that people will also use it as kids' records and stuff, too, oh, yeah. at the same time? Yeah, he's just done so much. And he, he wrote, got to get my picture on the cover of The Rolling Stone, a mm. boy named Sue, The Jogger I love. Ryan Hennessy's probably my favorite. But yeah, he's he's making a comeback in Nashville too. I, I 
Or maybe that's just my neighborhood. I live in a neighborhood where Shell and Chris and Billy Joe and John Prine and Jerry Jeff are like icons. Yeah. Uh, that's East Nashville that you sing about in so many of your songs. Yeah, and, yeah. And a lot of those songs, these are based on real people? Uh, Almost all of them. I would, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple of exceptions, but most of my songs are true. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's kind of leaning maybe even uh, towards like that Phil Oaks type stuff as well, too. Yeah. Have you I, seen a new documentary on him? No, I haven't. God, it's amazing. And he's somebody that, is, as much as I've studied music and, my, and folk music, he's somebody that I never studied much. And I, I, I need to start getting into him. Yeah. And it's something I missed early in life. There's a, a new documentary that's just out and his brother's involved with it and stuff. And things that he was doing... Um, where he would just take the newspaper and it would be a song right, later yeah. that night, man. It's just insane. Yeah, see, I, my thing is is mostly, like, not the paper, but I'll go down to, there's a little bar in East Nashville called the Three Crow Bar. Mm-hmm. And I know if I get there at around 6 and, and I'm committed to stay, something will happen. It'll yeah. rhyme. Something that'll happen. So you don't exactly even know where it's going to come from most uh-uh. of the time. No. I used to have a guy that uh, seemed like a song magnet that I made up a song called Play a Train Song about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he just everywhere he went, something chaotic happened. You know, yeah. so I would ride with him. I just, where are you going tonight? I'm riding with you. I want to make it rhyme. He was the muse. He was a real muse for me yeah. for a long time. I always find that the most interesting thing about songwriting is no one is exactly sure where yeah. it comes from. No, you know, you ask people how it's done, and they usually yeah. say no, or it's different. How do you do your songs? Different every time. You know, yeah. you never know when they're gonna hit you. You know, just hope for them. Well, why don't you do one for us right now? This is uh, live, the storyteller, and no one. This song is called Conservative Christian, Right-Wing Republican, Straight White American Males. Conservative Christian, Right-Wing Republican, Straight White American Males. Soul-saving, flag-waving, rush-loving, lamp-paving, regional leaders of sales. Shirt tucking, back slapping, cake tapping, frat housing, hater of hippies like me. Tree hugging, peace loving, pot smoking, porn watching, lazy ass hippies like me. Tree hugging, peace loving, barefooting, folk singing, widespread panic digging hippies like me. Skin color blinded, conspiracy minded protesters. Corporate greed. We who have nothing and most likely will till we all end up locked up in jails by conservative Christian, right wing Republican, straight white American male. Diamonds and dogs, boys and girls, we're living together in two separate worlds, following. Of mountains of shame, looking for someone to blame. I know who I like to blame. Conservative Christian, right wing Republican, straight white American male. Gay bashing, black fearing, war fighting, tree killing, regional leaders of sale. Quite diligently Working so hard to keep The free reins of this Democracy From tree-hugging Peace-loving, pot-smoking Porn-watching, lazy-ass Hippies like me 
tree-hugging, peace-loving, barefooting, folk-singing, lazy-ass hippies like me. Very nice, ma'am. That's uh, off uh, live, the storyteller, ToddSnyder.com is how you can look into it. Now, you travel around the country and have for, like you said, almost a quarter of a century now. And I think the first place that you would catch on is Red States. Yeah. And yet you do a song like that. <laughs> you know, it's always yeah. it's always interesting to me. But again, I don't know if you can ever look at one place and say it's a red state or a blue yeah. state because everything's all mixed up. Because people have asked me that before. They're like, what happens when you play that song when you're in Birmingham or wherever, mm-hmm. or if you're in Mississippi? But I find that as a folk singer, even no matter where I go, it could be the most Republican place. The place where they have folk singers mm-hmm. is going to be pretty liberal, like that one little right. pocket of town with the bookstore and the used record store and the right. girls with hairy pits and the folk place, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know. And so usually, no matter where I go, I'm kind of preaching to the choir a little bit. Sure. And I mean, I'm a flaming liberal. Most people know it. I don't, I'm not one of those ones that thinks that I have ideas that, that are smarter that people should know, but my ideas do rhyme, <laughs> and they're not that expensive. So at what point did you that rather than play to you know basically where country music is now. right i remember um i was working on my first live record before this one and there was two versions of it one they both went certain ways one seemed to go this liberal way and i thought i just want to do that and mm-hmm. and then i came up with this song that, that was on the record right after it and and um with that song well, it was with that live record i felt like i can i can just say whatever i want i've been i've been kind of getting away with it anyway and Mm-hmm. And uh, as, as those feelings started to come out, I just let them out, and it didn't seem like I had to pay for it, you know. And it, and also, of course, you do the storytelling, and it's on the yeah. It's in your shows, and I'm always interested about what becomes a story and what becomes a song. How do you make that? Yeah, I, you know, I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, it's the first time anyone's had. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to be able to do either. Uh, I don't know. You know, I think um, a lot of the. Um, the songs come first, and then the stories come later, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, and some of them I I would say some of them like the stories are too long, or some, I have to set up the song, or it'll, it makes more sense if I tell why I came up with it or something. Yeah, and because I do notice with your music, it's like walking that line because it is a story and not stand up. Yeah, you know, it'll be very funny. Yeah, but then I guess you certainly also don't want it to be a collection. Of jokes. Yeah, you can't do time. that. Or I have found that I yeah. don't enjoy. That's not healing. Or that's a big word to use for it. But the, the thing that musicians get out of, I got my thing that I that's talking between the songs. I did it when I was young, but I met Jimmy Buffett when I was about twenty-five, and he gave me a couple of rules on how to talk between songs. That he asked me not to repeat them, but I use them constantly. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the first guy that ever did it was a guy named Ramblin' Jack Elliott. He, sure. He started that. He was a protege of Woody Guthrie's, and he came up with a song called Nine Twelve Greens that I think Arlo Guthrie heard, and when he heard it, he came up with Alice's Restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then that went into that. And then I, I was young when I saw, I think I saw Jerry Jeff doing it, and I thought, that's me. I'm already a sofa sleeper. I'm already a hitchhiker. I'm already talking more than every. I'm already the guy who's talking his way into parties. And I thought, I'm three chords away from being a free spirit instead of a right. mom. You know what's really kind of interesting is like you went down through that. You went through generations that quick. So we've always had 
somebody kind of fulfilling the role yeah. that you're in right now. Yeah, you know? it seems like there always has been. No, there's not a lot of chairs there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but there is, but there does still seem to uh, need to be that place. Yeah. And Arlo's still out there on the road taking yep. his old family yep. with him. I still, I still love to see him. And yeah. Jerry Jeff's still playing. Prine's still playing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why don't you do uh, another one for us? Okay. What would you like to do here? I think I'll see if I can remember this. Mm. In fact, um, since we already brought this friend of mine up, I want to do this song for uh, for a friend of mine that passed away not many years ago. Uh, he said he was saving dying for the last. He could. He, what did he say? Dying's the best part of living. That's why I'm doing it last. I always thought that was a good one. And he used to say he wanted to. He also used to say he wanted to die peacefully in his sleep like his grandfather had and not screaming and crying like everybody else in the car. I thought that was a good one, too. <laughs> he always said stuff like that. And so when he passed, I thought he should have a song. Uh, this is called Play a Train Song. Smoking on black Cadillac Engine winding down Park it up on the sidewalk, a lucky on the whole downtown. I'd hear him talk to some chick, through a thick ghost of smoke, through a thicker haze of southern comfort and cold. Say, girl, you're hotter than the hinges hanging off the gates of hell. Don't be afraid to turn to me, baby. If he don't treat you well And by he, he married me So I laughed and I shook his head He laughed a little bit As he would yell up at the band And play a train song Pour me one more round Make him leave my boots on On the day that laid me down I am made wrong way a locomotive, I'm a one-track mind And I'm looking for any kind of trouble I can't find Got this old black leather jacket Got this pack of marbles Got this stash here in my pocket Got these thoughts in my own head The right to run until I gotta walk Until I've gotta crawl Got this moment that I'm in right now And nothing else at all A train song Pour me one more round Make me leave my boots on On the day to lay me down I am a runaway locomotive I'm the one track man Television, blizzard lights We looked around this place We found him cold there on the sofa A little smile across his face And though I tried to throw my sadness Somehow I could never weep Old man looked to me like he died Laughing in his sleep Singing a trade song Drinking one last round Made 
on the day that laid him down. It was a wrong way, a locomotive out of this one track man. Play train song, play train song, play train song. Wow, that's nice. Todd Snyder in here with us. Thanks so much, man. Hey, thanks for having me over. It's uh, great to have you by. And uh, there's been this kid in Waco, Texas, named Rustin, who's been sending me your oh, music wow. for a long, long time. And I think, I think that's always that thing when people want to share somebody yeah, that, that, that thanks, they're digging. Thanks, Rustin, man. And uh, thank you so much for stopping by. And it's yeah. really this music still oh, being done. Thank you. And done the right way. Oh, that makes me feel good. All right, man. See you next time. Thanks, through. Y'all feel like singing a little? They named that goddamn kiss-ass Handelman Vice President of Human Resources or something He stood up and made a speech about how We would all have to work even harder now I thought harder now Harder at what? I'd give anything to get up and walk out of here But I'm stuck on the corner Sanity and madness Looking them over Can't see a difference We're Making money out of paper Paper out of trees We're Making so much money we can hardly breathe You ought to hear the shit That I get from my daughter She says she can't stand the sight of the car I bought her It's gonna ruin her life forever She don't ride a ragtop Her and her mother spend my money pretty much non-stop They're trying to break me for the sake of this neighborhood They want everybody up and down the street To think we're doing good We're stuck on the corner Sanity and madness Looking them over Can't see a difference Making money out of paper Paper out of trees We're making so much money We can hardly breathe I didn't even want to study economics My parents made me cause The Virus Sirius 197 XM 202 Ron and Fez If you want to listen to the garbage you heard this morning The ONA replay will be at 3 p.m. Eastern Time that's when they replay the show for all you losers. Ron and Fez on the virus. Serious XM. People think we're fuck-ups. Everybody thinks we're fuck-ups, except the right people. The right people see everything. I got drunk the night before. I'm hungover as hell. I'm wearing my overalls. These guys are all in suits. I look like a mess. I'm smoking. Can I have a cigarette? It's Ron Fez Show. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. Big clock today. Hey, Alex, you're on Ron Fez. Hey, Ronnie, thanks for the interview, brother. I'm a big fan of his. I think I might have been a close second to Rustin and hounding you to get him on. I love the guy. Uh, yeah, the guy was, uh, I really liked him a lot, too. And uh, his, his, 
his live shows, like, they're so interactive. I mean, his stories are actually just as good as the song. He's fantastic. Yeah, he gives off a whole kind of a different kind of vibe, too, man. He's like one of those guys that you could uh, picture him, like, on the road back in the 20s or something, too, you know? Yeah, I, uh, I took my daughter. I was like, him and Ahan, you know, she's like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like he, when when he forgets the words to his songs, he, he rolls with it, you know, he just starts over. Like, he doesn't let anything get to him. And uh, it was just, it was like a great experience to let her see something like that. It was fantastic. Yeah, he was actually just telling me the same thing. Um, they invited me down to uh, Joe's Pub, uh, oh, where he's playing good. tonight and tomorrow night. But uh, he was saying that he fucks up the lyrics quite a bit when he hasn't been on the road in a while. Um, good guy, though. Here's, uh, uh, I don't have your name. Yeah, it's Bill. Uh, Ron, you should check out what Todd Snyder has done with Elizabeth Cook. She does the mornings on uh, that Outlaw Country Station. There's some really cool music there. You know what? We could actually go and pull some of that uh, anytime uh, we want. Might be fun to do. There's a lot of great musicians to come through here. Uh, some we get, some we don't get, but we bump into all the time. Uh, this happens every time this year during award season. Somebody gets left off the immemorium list. This happened at the SAG Awards. It was Corey this year, and Corey Feldman is upset about it, that his buddy didn't get put in memoriam during the ceremony. Well, we remembered him then, now we can remember him. Well, here's the lesson. You know, Corey Haim died, uh, you know, like maybe um, a few weeks after the Oscars last year. So you can't die that soon after award season. And there should also be like, if you care about it, call those people and say, don't forget to put Corey's name on it. I'm sure they would like to, but uh, I'm sure as you're going through variety, the year before, someone's going to be forgotten. I don't know why they're making a big bitch about it now. If it meant so much to you, call them, Corey. I'm about your buddy, Corey. They'll put him up. He'll be up for the Oscars. Stop whining. It, it probably is just one person working on the list, and instead of An a collaborator. Yeah. It's not a big fucking deal to them. I don't like it, anyway. It doesn't make me feel good when it comes up there. It doesn't feel like a celebration of the life. It just feels somewhat sad. If you're going to get the applause break in that, you really have to go. You have to time it right. Go before the Oscars, but you can't go too close or you don't make the deadline. So it really has to be timed out. I'll try to remember that if I talk to a movie star that's planning on dying. So um, also the story is out about um, heart patients. Be careful watching the Super Bowl this year. If you're a Steelers fan or a Packers fan with a heart condition. Didn't we just have a Steelers fan two years ago or whenever they won the last time? Guy had a heart attack during the game. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think this is, they're saying consult your physician if you're a Packers fan or a Steelers fan with a heart condition. I really think this is the NFL doctors that put this out. They don't want a screwed situation where somebody dies watching their product. Well, here's what happens. How many people on any given day have heart attacks? But now you have them all doing the same thing. So now you have 80 million people that would normally on a Sunday be at church, mowing lawns, going hunting, going to the beach, sleeping, whatever. Out of those 80 million people, 
how many of them would be having a heart attack on any given Sunday, but now you're having them do the same stuff, and obviously they're going to go and blame it on the game. But the fact of the matter is, this guy might have been having a heart attack if he was playing badminton. We don't know whether the game started it. We just know that whatever got him fucking tense that day, boom, boom. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, when the Bucks won, I was so elated. That probably wouldn't be a bad way to go. You just saw your team win the Super Bowl. You've got that incredible joy that I've never felt anything like, even when nieces and nephews were being born. Maybe the saddest thing you've ever said. Especially since you can't name everybody on that team. I don't know why you like that team so much. I was thrilled when they won. You, uh, you know, the best. It, it was the center that year. Um, I don't remember. Mm. But that means more to you than your nieces and nephews. I do remember the left tackle. Who's that? Blindside. Blindside. Don't think he was in the league at that point. How's he still doing with the Ravens? Is he doing it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Blindside, blindside. No one loves you more than your old pal Fez Watley. If Blindside got traded to the Bucks, would you love him? Oh, uh, no, no. I wouldn't want anything to do with that player. No. You hate the movie Blindside. Just despise it. Kind of like it a little bit, though. Nope, not even an ounce. Not a piece of it. Would you you would you punch Blindside in the face? I would I would punch Blindside in the face because I think he's coming here to do Cavino and Rich. Somebody told me. Well, I hope I don't run into him in the halls. I'll punch him in the face. Clint, you're on my face. Yeah. Yeah. Ron. Yes, sir. My grandpa just died in my arms this weekend. I was wondering, is that a good way to go or not? Oh yeah, man. I think anybody would like that. If somebody said to you when you were, you know, 21, hey, you're going to die in your grown grandson's arms, yeah, that's a nice way. We were sitting there having a conversation for about 45 minutes, and he he looked at me and said he felt dizzy, and and I and he was breathing heavy, so I just went over and I grabbed him, and I was rubbing his back, and he just I, he just took his last breath there, and I laid him down on the table, and went and got some help. How old was your grandfather? He was uh, 79 years old. Yeah. Most loved guy I ever met in my life. He can make light up a room. Yeah. Yeah, man, that had to be very, uh, that's a special way to go out. At 79, holding on to your grandson, that's that, especially one that uh, is crazy about him as you are. Yeah, that sounds like a nice story, dude. Appreciate it, man. And that's uh, oddly, uh, you know, one of those things that'll stay with you in a positive way too. I think you know that yeah. you would be able that you're able to be that guy. You know, yeah. Appreciate it, Ron. All right, my friend. Take Have care now. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. Eight six six Ron Zero Fez. You always got to have somebody there for me. I know when I was in the hospital, and you were there for me, Fez. I remember what you told me, too. You would never leave my side. Uh, Higgs, did you ever get that song? Yeah, we got it. We got it yeah. But what, what was that attitude about? What attitude? What are you talking about? Are you saying you like it or no? No, oh, Suspect Phil's a good buddy of ours. 
Um, Jeff, you're on Run of Fez. What's up, boys? Yeah. Me being out here in California, I'm sure you guys are pretty aware of the rivalry out here between the Dodgers and the Giants. Absolutely. So, of course, yeah. So uh, I bleed blue, and uh, I had a little uh, World Series party over at my house, and I had a couple of my Giants buddies over. And as soon as the Giants won the World Series, officially won the World Series, I turned around and my buddy was having a stroke on the couch. He was in the hospital for a week and a half, and it was, I couldn't help but laugh. I mean, it sounds terrible, but yeah. fuck those fucking Giants, man. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, it runs deep, brother. It runs deep. All right, my deep man. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RUN-ZERO-FEZ. Joe, Iowa, you're on run fez Friday B, yeah. on a scale of 1 to 10, how gay am I if I just teared up for that last caller? I'd say you're somewhere in between going to the ballet and licking cock. <laughs> no, the last caller was a great story, and it's kind of, you know, those of us that were close with grandfathers, you know what I mean? Um, we'd love to have a story like that, you know? You'd love to be that guy. It's uh, And I was really, I thought it was really cool that he had that perspective about it. Uh, Fez, I'm sure you don't want to be that guy, right? Um, that would be a frightening situation. Mm. You wouldn't see it as a sweet situation, a nice situation? I, I, I'm being honest. I would be very uh, nervous and scared in that situation mm. that somebody was dying with, uh, you know, wh- where I'm like, what should I be doing? Just what he did. Just comfort the guy. Comfort the old guy. I think it's a nice story. So I would like something like that for myself. I think it'd be a great way to go out. Or the way Hicks's dad went out, you know, fucking tied off, face down in the toilet. Son coming in, eight-year-old son coming in, find him like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. Stays with you for some reason. I wonder why. I don't know. It's like it's. You know what? You're nostalgic. That's your big problem. Yeah. There's that grandparents commercial that's playing all the time now on television. Oh, I just end up crying through the whole thing. Why does it remind you of your own life? Well, no, it's just a, it's a little kids. I guess so. It's it's very little kids with their grandparents, and you just hear the little kids talking about their uh, their grandma and their grandpa and saying that's my best friend, and it just it's meant to be tear jerking, and it jerks them out of me. Well, I mean, here you had an opportunity to have some real life, not just a TV commercial. You know, this was something that actually happened. Um, Bill in Boston, you're on the Run Face Show. Must have been real nice. As a grown man, you might have fought in the war, and your grandson's there holding you as he's weeping, as you fucking died, knowing your grandson's a sissy. Jesus. You really are from Boston, aren't you? Uh, it was Tony in Wisconsin. You're on the Ron Fez show. Hey, Ronnie. How you doing, brother? Good. Hey, Fezzy. Good to hear you feeling good, I guess. Hey, uh, Ron, I heard you guys talking yesterday. I got a buddy who owns a bar in Greenwich Village. It's a Wisconsin bar. He's uh-huh. originally from Wisconsin. And he does Packers, Badgers, Brewers, Bucks, all that stuff. Uh, good guy. You go in there. Uh, name's Lewis. He owns the place. Tell him, you know, Tony from Wisconsin. He'll, uh, he'll hook you up. My uncle's ashes are behind the bar. He's a good old boy, but if you want to get that Wisconsin, you know, feel, you know, I'd test it out, maybe get a fish fry or something like that. What's the name of his bar? Uh, Kettle of Fish. I'll definitely go check it out sometime, yeah, man. Greenwich Village. It's definitely worth it, buddy. All right, my friend. All right. You have a good one.
Feel good, brother. Peace. Uh, James in Rhode Island, you're in Rhode first. Hey, guys, what's going on? I thought that that story was uh, kind of touching, too, but the second part of it was a little less so. That guy actually wound up, wound up going to the graveyard and digging up his grandfather. Oh, yeah, Fez said he was going to do that with his grandma. Although you never did, Fez. No, no. Just another one of those things. Almost did. I almost. Would have been awesome, man. I know. You'd have been a legend. <laughs> um, I guess nothing's stopping us now to do it, right? It's a road trip. Blindside, I got some good news for you. What's that? Oh, you're blindside now? Well, I thought you were referring to me. Why is that? Is that your name? No. What is your name? Fez. Okay. Uh, blindside is what? It is the Sandra Bullock uh, movie about the, um, the, the, guy, the guy who got taken into their foster home and then went to the NFL. You love that movie. Can't stand it. You never watched it, though? No. I got all I needed from it from the uh, endless commercials. John in Texas, you're on Fez. Hey, Ron. How you doing today? Good. I got an H-bomb for you. All right. My hometown, Tulsa, Oklahoma, the roof of the Cherokee Casino collapsed in from the way to snow. You know, uh, a friend of mine's got people in, in Tulsa and said that they were like a police thing that they couldn't even go outside today. Oh, yeah, it's terrible up there. My wife said that uh, she looked out and there was like uh, five, six feet of snow up and, you know, just covering up the cars, you know. And the yeah. ambulance was getting stuck trying to go up to the old folks' home. They couldn't get up there, yeah. so they had to hang carry them out. They're like literally on a government lockdown. Like you're, it's against the law to be outside your house. you got to stay <laughs> indoors right now. Yeah, well, I got to try to take a truck and go up through there today. Yeah, I, I, you ought to try to stay away from it, dude. Oh well, you know I got to do what I got to do. All right, go bro. Where I can go, and then I'll be all right. All right, talk to you later, Jackknife. Later. Peace. You always see those fucking guys in the snow just jackknifed all over. It's fucking we fun. thought we could make it. <laughs> uh, Fez, we got a uh, author coming in in a little bit. Um who wrote a brand-new book called The Big Short, uh, Inside the Doomsday Machine. Uh, his name is Michael Lewis, and he is a real best-selling author, uh, writing about financial stuff a lot of the times. Uh, he's written Liar's Poker, Moneyball, which is being made into a new movie with Brad Pitt. I think that's coming out this year. Um. Also, this, the big short, Inside the Doomsday Machine, has stayed on the New York Times bestsellers list for 28 weeks. 28 goddamn weeks. He also is the bestselling author of a book called The Blind Side. Now, this is it for you, Big Cat. The same blind side? The same blind side. There's not... Yeah, you can't go around. There's not another blind side. I think he also uh, wrote the script, too, or at least co-wrote the script of the movie of the same name, uh, the biggest sports film of all time. He comes walking through that door in just a few minutes. Step out of the way. I'm going to step out of the way before you start swinging on him. Well, I didn't know he was uh, booked today. Uh, yeah, Michael Lewis has been on the sheet for some time. 
All right. Well, I didn't know he was. I I knew about the big short, but I didn't know he was the author of the Blind Side. Was booked today. Let me guess. You'd rather not fight him. Um. Oh well. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to have anything. Mm. I won't be talking to him. You realize that I didn't write the Blind Side, right? Right. Well, then why do you treat me the same way? Hey, because I told you a couple years ago, you and I, you and I needed to start shorting bonds. I know. I should have listened. We didn't really apply ourselves. You ever read Liar's Poker? Uh, no, I haven't, I haven't read it. So that's your way of, of just not talking to him? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a little upsetting to know that he wrote The Blind Side. I'm a little bit taken aback here. I had no idea he was part of that and what became that film. He's very proud of it. I wonder if he had anything to do with the Sandra Bullock casting. No, he wasn't. He's the author. But whoever did the casting, I'm sure, after her Oscar and the fact that it became the biggest sports film of all time, probably got a nice little bump up. Probably. It's a good choice. See, I think it's a foster uh, family film. Why don't you tell that to him? Oh, I'm not going to have anything to do with this guy. What if I call you in? No, I won't. I won't be part of it. Hmm. I am not a what fan of that out? movie. What if I just walk out and leave you alone with Michael Lewis? Well, I don't think you should leave me alone with him. Why? What would happen? I I don't know what would happen. I might not be able to control myself. All right, then I am walking out. If that's the fucking deal, if you're a tough guy, I'm walking out. I'm leaving you guys together. No, don't walk out. Serious. Have a nice fucking interview with him. No, I mean maybe you know I'll you know I'll meet the guy, see see if he's a nice enough person. Where are you going to meet him on the air? No, maybe out in the hallway when he shows up. What's he talking about, Hicks? Nice greeting, great greeting. What's the truth he's saying? Anyway, you can pick up his books. They're amazing. Liar's uh, Poker was a huge thing back in the 80s. Huge best-selling. Just, and back then he tried to say, hey, this whole financial thing is nuts. They hired me in Wall Street. <laughs> they were paying him like six figures back in Wall Street and he didn't know, uh, back in the 80s. He didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Oh, my God. And this stuff now, forget about it. It was like nine figures for people. That's totally ridiculous. We're out of our minds in this country. It's scary as shit. We're bad shit. And when I see this stuff up in Egypt, I'm thinking someday, someday we'll grab that gimmick. What are you going to play when he comes in? I don't know. The name of the book is uh, Big Short, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Short People? I'll teach him a fucking lesson. <laughs> playing, some, playing some Randy. Hopefully he'll appreciate that. And hopefully he can give us a heads up on the American fucking crazy revolution that might happen when they turn off the internet. I don't think he's got any idea okay. when that comes down. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I'll be wrapping a fucking towel around my head and fucking throwing shit towards Mecca. I love it. If I ever went to a mosque, I'd just yell at Mecca, Mecca high, Mecca honey ho. That'd I be think, a thing. I think they'd understand it. Where are you going, blindside? I just have to go check on something. What is Seriously, Trithy, what are you doing? Uh, I'm just going to see if Michael Lewis is uh, out there. Well, should I go with you? No, no. What should I do? You, sh- you should wait here. And do what? Sit quietly? 
no, no. Just, um, I guess explain the book. What do you mean explain the book? Well, that, that Michael Lewis will be talking about, the big short. I always say I don't want to get into the thing where he leaves and has to come walking back down and sit there and check. It drives me nuts. And yet we're doing that, right? Yep. How come? Short staff today. So that's this is the short staff. Maneuver. Why didn't anybody let me know? This is That's like my main fucking beef every time. There's no interns. That's, that's what would interns have to do with it? Tell me where an intern would be in this. Phone screener. I don't need a phone screener. There's no one phone screening now. I know. I don't know where. So you made up the whole fucking thing because you don't want to be a rat. No. Did you know that he was going to get up and walk out? Yes. Do you know that that's like my main beef, that he has to come in, set the table, and then he runs around to the other side? I know. I know. All right. Um, Michael Lewis is a fine, fine writer. Number one uh, on the New York Times bestseller list is The Big Short. Uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff as always. Let's bring him in, Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis, The Big Short, Inside the Doomsday Machine. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. And congratulations again for another best-selling book. Uh, that you just, uh, keep writing them. Uh, but I was very interested right away in this book of why you decided to tell this crazy story from these guys' angle, out of all the different places you could have went. The financial crisis, you could yeah. approach it from all sorts of ways. Yeah. So, and what attracted me to the, what drew me back to Wall Street in the first place mm -hmm. was all the losses that the Wall Street firms had made. They'd lost all, I kind of got engaged end of 07 when they started, when Merrill Lynch and Citigroup started announcing they've lost billions and billions of dollars because they clearly lost them on these zero sum bets. So, and someone was on the other side of those bets. And what I knew about Wall, or thought I knew about Wall Street to that point was that basically these firms were the casino. They were the house. Right. They weren't supposed to lose zero-sum bets. Um, they had somehow become the dumb money. And I had, they're basically, I thought they were t two ways to tell a story. One way was through the eyes of the dumb money, who were mm. in the center of the financial system. Uh, the other was through the eyes of the smart money, who had taken down the house. And, uh, and the smart money was more compelling because they could actually explain what happened. They understood it. And I needed someone who would explain to the reader what happened. And... With all this stuff, and I mean, actually, we probably have in the financial thing some of the smartest people in the world working in this. Why did so few guys 
were able to see where this was going. You you would think that with all the analysis that goes on and and being 100% about tracking money and predicting the future, that a lot more than just the people that you've pointed out would have known. That yeah, this no, you thing. ask a really good question, mm-hmm. and it's probably a more complicated answer than this, but I'll give you what I think is a simple answer. The simple answer is, in the first place, um, the institutional Wall Street, big Wall Street, um, was paid not to see what was going on. Mm-hmm. They got paid fortunes to essentially lend money to people who'd never repay the loans. They paid fortunes to turn a blind eye to what was going on. There's this report that's just come out from the Financial Inquiry Commission, and the the, the, the theme that repeats itself is these guys who are running the big Wall Street firms claim that they were oblivious to the fact that their firms were taking this risk, that this was a likely risk, and so on and so forth, that the housing market might go down. Nobody considered that kind of thing. Um, so in addition, this is odd because the financial – in the last 20 years, 30 years in this country, well, globally, mm-hmm. the financial world industry has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger, more and more and more important right. relative to the rest of the economy. Now, at what and, time, like back in the 40s or 50s, was it like us and – you know, Western Europe, we're just kind of involved in it, it, it you know, at least as far as what the you U.S. You need out. money before you have a money culture. Right. Right. And uh, and so but the it's we've essentially exported our investment banking you know, worldview. But in any case, the financial world gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but it gets more and more homogeneous. It gets more and more kind of big corporate. Everybody thinking the same way mm-hmm. uh, and does not reward people who are oddballs or outliers. Right. Even less so than when I, I mean, I worked on Wall Street for a few years in the mid eighties and there were a lot of oddballs and outliers inside my big firm. Uh, and that got, that kind of personality got squashed out of the sure. firms. And so I think it was the combination of that. And if you look at the experience of the main characters in my book, what, what they endured to, for having been right, uh, it was very painful. Everybody thought they were idiots. Everybody mm-hmm. thought they were reckless. Uh, or that they didn't know what they were talking about. And, and even though they made their investors lots of money, they didn't, it didn't end well for them. You know, uh, that they are, they still regarded with some faint suspicion because they aren't one of the club. Right. There are out, they're outsiders because they're not one of the nodders and going along and none of us saw this coming and nothing we could do about it. This kind of proves and helps prove just how crazy and off the wall, the market's been for a while. Yes, how, and how insanely structured the financial system is. Yeah, essentially, it's you know it's meant to. What, what is it meant to do? It's meant to do something very simple: bring borrowers together with lenders, people who need capital together with people who have capital, and it's supposed to make that process really transparent, so everybody can see what the risks are and so on and so forth. And uh, instead, it's sort of arisen to make the to discuss. It's sort of design itself to disguise risk, to, to make it all so complicated, to, to take things, to take bad loans and make them look like good loans. Uh, so it's, it's um, and people made fortunes doing this and they mm-hmm. didn't have to give them back. Um, so there's a, it's screwed up. It's screwed up and in, it's in crying out for radical reform. Well, where do you think it got off the track? I mean, you were writing about how crazy Wall Street was in the 1980s and then we got even nuttier. Yes. I mean, we, that look back. Now we'll look back on that as like the good old days yes. when you were first saying, look how crazy things are. Yeah, it looks quaint. Uh, yeah. Like I say there, if you look back, what happened to Wall Street that led eventually to this insanity, the big structural things? One is 
when the big banks, investment banks, cease to be partnerships, the, the places that took big trading risks, mm-hmm. um, cease to be partnerships, cease to be owned by the employees and became co- corporations, all of a sudden they were still speculating, but they were speculating with other people's money, the shareholders' money. Yeah. It wasn't their money anymore. It used to be that if they, if they lost a lot of money on a bet, uh, they lost their houses. So they didn't do that. They didn't bet a lot of money. They were very cautious and risk-averse and responsible. Mm-hmm. Uh, once it became shareholders' money, they took a different attitude towards it. Second related thing is that they used to be about customers' business. They used to be about taking small commissions on each transaction kind of thing, advising yeah. you on your stock market investments kind of thing. That got, but through competition, became less and less profitable. You know, for the same reason that you pay, you know, a couple of bucks to buy shares through, uh, you know, Schwab or E-Trade, that they aren't making money on those those trades anymore. Uh, And so they diverted their interest into speculating for their own accounts. Overwhelms the business. The business is largely making the bets now uh, with other people's money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the third thing that happened is it got intellectualized. It got made very complicated, and that's because... Basically, computer technology enabled it, yeah. uh, computer and financial technology. So it all got very opaque and hard for outsiders to understand, hard for even the CEOs of the firms to Absolutely. And like when this whole thing crashed, there was no one on TV that could really come on and say, here's exactly what's Nobody had any idea. happening. And it was stunning to see that. And you would hear time and time again, well, this is so complicated. And then you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but why do we all Turn ourselves over to a complicated system. And how can how can, how complicated can it be when a fool can see that what happened was you know trillions of dollars were lent out to people to buy houses that should never have been lent. Oh That's yeah, that's not complicated. Yeah. So how did that get made complicated? Uh, it was a very funny thing because uh, I was living down in D.C. before I came up here, and I was in this house uh, at the time that was a $675,000 house that was being rented to a woman who was working a blue collar job and I was paying a couple thousand bucks a month to live there. And I'm like, and she owned a couple houses and I'm like, how could any of this be worth what we're saying? I, none of this makes sense to me. Uh, you know, I've been a homeowner. I know where you need to be. When is this whole thing going to crash? And yet nobody was paying attention because we're flipping houses and That's all right. having fun at the time. The main characters of my story did respond to information just like that. Yeah. So one of the hedge fund managers is his, uh, I think it was their night nanny or their nurse or babysitter mm-hmm. says I all of a sudden comes, shows up one day and she owns six buildings in Brooklyn yeah. and that, 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 uh, Chase Manhattan has bankrolled and she can't make any of the payments. I mean, but she's got a real estate empire off on the side. Yeah. Uh, and it was that kind of thing that alerted him to the insanity. And that, um, when you brought it up at the time, if you said, Hey, this sounds crazy. Everyone acted like you were a crazy person. I mean, the, there wasn't really a lot of whistleblowing going no. on at any level here. No, that's right. That's right. And it's certainly not in the places that could have, where things could have been done about it. Well, you know, well, to take this into a political sense, we've got, I mean, obviously, when once it happens, we blame the government. But at a, also at another time, we're like, hey, with less government, you know, Wall Street can take care of itself and police itself. Corporations want to do well. But they've blown it on this. I mean, they've absolutely screwed the pooch. What's so interesting about it is that they, not only they blow it, and not only if the government had not gotten involved in the mm-hmm. middle of the crisis, 
all these big banks would be do, they'd be out of business. They'd be, they, they, were, they were all going to be out of business. They'd fa- they're failed institutions. Now they love the government. Mm-hmm. The government has essentially propped them up and subsidized them for the last two years, regarding them as an indispensable cog in the machine kind of thing. So we have a very strange situation where this, this whole boom is brought about by excessive faith in free markets, especially free financial markets. Right. And, and when it comes crashing down... Uh, the response is a kind of phony socialism mm-hmm. on Wall Street. I mean, the rest of us still have a free market. Right. It's just if you work on Wall Street, you get to you get to live in the socialist paradise where you get to keep the upside if things go well, and you stick the taxpayer with the bill if it doesn't. You know, there's been this mentality, and anybody who's lived in New York has seen like what we would think about Wall Street guys when we were kids. And you know, uh, if you watch any of the old movies, what they look like, these conservative guys doing stuff. Anyone in Manhattan has been in the bars watching these guys uh, with prostitutes and liquor Cocaine throwing and, stakes yeah. at people and basically acting like juice heads from Jersey Shore. I mean, it's been going on for years in New York. We've seen it. And you're thinking to yourself, how are these guys successful in business? Now you know. Yeah. They weren't. <laughs> they were, they were, they, they, what they were was, they were, the, they were, they were the casino. The odds yeah. were always in their favor once they were in one of these big firms. And even as the casino, they couldn't, they couldn't make it work. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's not, they're, they're failed enterprises, mm-hmm. uh, the big firms anyway. I mean, there are a lot of smart people on Wall Street. They're people who, they're people who didn't do stupid things. There are a lot of people I like on Wall Street, but mm-hmm. the system's bad right now. Right now it's bad. And the system to get better is going to take a long time. Well, I'd have thought it would, I, I'm a little shocked we're sitting here now still looking at the ex- to fail. Right. I'd have thought the first thing the government would do is break them up and, or at least prevent them from from lobbying to prevent reform. Mm-hmm. The idea that the taxpayer saved them only to have them put all their financial muscle into preventing serious financial reform yeah. is outrageous. It's outrageous. So um, it may take a little longer than I thought, but it's an unsustainable system. So I just assume that sooner or later it's going to come crumbling. I mean, essentially what, the, what we've done is we've replaced the total collapse with a slow crumble. I mean, it is crumbling in a lot yeah. of ways. So their capital requirements have been boost, are being boosted a lot, which means they can't bet as much, which means that when things go really well, they're not, the upside is not going to be as good. So the paychecks are going to come down some, uh, and they have come down some. Right. Um, and uh, they may, depending on how the rule is enforced, be prevented from really speculating inside the firms. There's this thing called the Volcker Rule, where they're, they're named after Paul Volcker, which, is spo- which explicitly says they can't bet the firm's capital. Now, there are a lot of ways around it, and we'll have to see how the rule is enforced. But so there is change, but it's much slower than yeah. I would have imagined it would be. And it is kind of interesting that uh, Bush threw money at him, Obama threw money at him. I mean, there's no one out there that you could say, hey, this is somebody going after Wall Street. I mean, just there's individual politicians. They're yeah. senators. Carl Levin, uh, you know, I, I, Dick Durbin. I can think of some senators who were ready to take a hard line. Mm-hmm. But they did it at their peril because the sums of money that Wall Street firms can give to political candidates are huge. And if they target a candidate and give to the opposition because he's going to be he's making life difficult for them, you could put yourself out of business as a politician. Mm. Uh, So um, but you're right now, the both the Bush administration and the Obama administration. I don't think it was exactly corrupt that they did what they did. I think they were responding to a crisis. They just that they 
they couldn't imagine it was just they couldn't imagine a world without Goldman Sachs on top of it. Right. They couldn't imagine the alternative was to nationalize them and break them up, and in a gradual, you know, um, fa- in a in a in orderly fashion, uh, that could have happened, uh, but they they couldn't bring themselves to do that, and. Because of socialist fears of being called socialist. Yes, all that. Yes. And so you kind of, I, but I bet in their heart of hearts, who knows, but I bet in Obama's heart of hearts, he wished he'd done that. Yeah. Because he probably can't believe that they, that he, they, he then, they then fought him the way they fought him on reform. Uh, we'll see. Because they're shameless. I mean, you bring it up even in the book that none of these guys worry about losing somebody else's money. Nobody's. You know, there lose. seems to be a kind of absence of social responsibility. Yeah. But this is a, this goes hand in glove with um, being in a business where of dubious social utility. I mean, if you are a financial intermediary, mm-hmm. you do form a, you do perform an important function. We need banks. We need bankers. But the truth is, your job is to get capital from people who have it to people who need it, so they can use it for productive enterprise. Mm-hmm. Anything you charge them is a tax. You know, the best thing for the system would be if that could be done for free. Uh, it isn't good that you're in the middle. You're nece- it's necessary. But, mm-hmm. um, and I think that when you're in that kind of business, it's certainly a skimming business where you're a kind of, a, if anything, a drag on the productive economy. Sure. You don't, you cease to, th- you spend much time thinking about what your larger social utility is. You just measure yourself, your status in terms of how much money you make, how successful you are in your organization. Well, in even terms of what our economy is going to become, um, we don't – the fact that we stop making things. I remember when I was a kid, I could point at every house on my street and tell you what physical thing that guy made at his house. And we had shipbuilders. and This is outside of Philadelphia. Boeing. You had plastic companies all the way down the street. Now, none of the kids could say this is what my dad makes. There's no products that we make in this country anymore. Websites, I guess, and – Marketing movies. Not much. Mm-hmm. I'm wearing Alan Edmonds shoes. We make those. They're wonderful. <laughs> this make that we, st- we still do make. And I think this, this could change. It yeah. really could change. Uh, it's going to have to change. I mean, I think there's an awareness. I think that the bailouts of the auto industry was a sort of a gut check. We, we need to be doing this sort of thing kind of thing. You right. know? And um, they actually seem to have been successful, right? So if there is – this is what I, I actually think. That if you reduce the financial opportunity in the financial sector, if you make it pay less well, it will unleash energies elsewhere. That all, too many bright, energetic people just are going into Wall. Have been going into Wall Street for thirty years. They, they could have been doing something for more quick useful. money. Yeah, yeah. For just for quick. Why, money. why bother to make something if you can just make money? That's a really interesting point. That if you force them out of that game and say get back into creating jobs for other people again. Because <clears throat> they can do it. Yes. These are the minds yes. that can do it. But if you're an enterprising person, you'd almost have to be crazy to start making widgets when you could just go over and make. It's an awful lot of trouble. Yeah, you, know, you deal. We got to deal with unions and labor and you know, right. stuff that breaks and you know, and, mm-hmm. and Chinese competition. The one thing American investment bankers really haven't had is foreign competition. I mean th- that we um, there there are foreign banks. But they, t- but the trading side of things and, mm-hmm. and the sharp end of the investment bank, bank banking side of things, it tends to be Americans inside those institutions. For whatever reason, we have an aptitude for 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 the task. Yeah. So, but yes, I, I think that it's just been t- too attractive to be a financial person for a long time, and I sus- it does seem it is less attractive to be a financial person right now than it was in say two thousand and seven. It's just not as 
less as much less attractive as I would have thought it would be. You would have thought it would have came down hard and fast, and there's still a lot of people hanging out to go. Well, are we going to get back to where we were in 2007? Is it well you know? to me the um, the best indicator is what kids who go to good colleges want to do with their lives. Mm-hmm. I gave a talk last week at the London School of Economics in London. I went there as a graduate student. When I went there, the kids were all Marxists. I mean, they thought anybody who made money was a criminal. And I talked to 800 people, and I was inundated afterwards, and they all wanted to go work at Goldman Sachs. And I thought, oh, my God, even <laughs> now, you know, it was all, how do I get the job? How do I get that job? Um, it's a poverty of imagination that leads people that direction, too, because right. they don't know what it is. Nobody, When you're a kid, nobody wants to be an investment banker. You want to be a baseball player. You want to be an airline pilot. You want to do, you want to do something. Uh, so what happens is they get seduced by the sums of money that are available. Just lots of stuff. Yeah. Fast, fun stuff. That's yeah. what they're after. And that's, what, that's what's leading everybody there now. Yeah. Um, you, uh, by the way, uh, I'll bring this up again. Uh, Michael Lewis, the big short inside the doomsday machine. You write about some of these characters that saw all this stuff coming, and they were the exact opposite. I mean, these were almost the freaks of Wall Street. You kind of explain them as Animal uh, House-type guys. Are we dependent on those type of people who, you know, um, are are those? is that the real asset that the country has now, the people who don't go along? People, outsiders are very valuable. Mm -hmm. Oddballs are very valuable. Diverse, diversity is very mm-hmm. it's in its in and of itself is very valuable and um let me just to give you an idea of the kind of people who we're talking about i mean the 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 three main characters of the book one is that none of them are big time they're all kind of at most running half a billion dollars which is small time mm-hmm. on wall street one of them is a one-eyed guy with asperger syndrome basically operating alone in a dark room in san jose Another is someone who everybody hates because he's so rude. You know, just no one wants to be in any kind of social situation with him. Uh, third are a couple of kids who just have a theory that the that Wall Street completely underestimates the likelihood of unlikely events, and they just pursue that theory uh, to the extreme. Um, and those, the absence of diversity of opinion inside the big firms doomed them anybody who made it who raised questions about what was going on was marginalized in some cases fired um and so when i was describing these characters i did think in a way i'm describing i'm describing characteristics the absence of which inside the big firms caused their demise that they need more of this in them uh and that the society really, by extension, benefits mm-hmm. from the diversity of opinion that's in, you know that, that's in the discussion. Um, but it it got uh, it got just too expensive from the point of view of people who are running Wall Street firms to tolerate diversity of opinion. One because when you tolerate diversity of opinion, you tend to tolerate a lot of diversity of behavior too, and diversity of behavior press attention. I mean, mm-hmm. people who are oddballs and weirdos and a little different end up in the newspaper. And the, and the last thing these big firms wanted was that sort of attention. Still true. And, and secondly, nobody that, that, um, uh, once you're, once the firm is, has decided that it's going to 
go all in on subprime mortgages. Um, the last thing, the last thing anybody wants is someone sitting there saying you're you're crazy. Mm. Uh, let's think of this differently. Um, so, uh, I do think I do think that just generally, and this is not true in this just this book. It's true in a lot of the books I've written. The oddballs tend to be undervalued. This is the weird thing about it because it becomes a fun read, and you could tell you had fun describing these guys. I mean, I can, it, yeah. it kind of plays as kind of black comedy in the strangest ways, you know, and it reminds you of of you know, these guys that would make a discovery why the rest of the world was going in a different direction, you know. Well, what added to the intrigue of the characters to me was they were outraged, right? They're mm-hmm. outraged by what they see. The world's gone mad. Um they can't essentially can't do what they were meant to do, which is most of them were just people who were meant to invest investing in the stock market, but they saw that they went to invest in bank stocks or real estate stocks, and everything was going to be driven by whatever happened in this subprime lending market, so they had to understand that so they realized that the only decent smart thing to do with money was to bet against this subprime mortgage market, so all of a sudden they're in the role of people who are betting on the essentially the collapse of the financial system mm. who are going to make their fortune. If the world falls apart. And um, I love the idea of having as heroes people who were essentially in a, in a villainous situation. Yeah. You know, that they were going to make a fortune if the world fell apart. Um, and it, it, um, it lent a real free saw to the characters. Now, did all of them know that the other people were working in the same direction? Was this... Uh, these weren't exactly people that were getting their information from even the same places, right? They, they were looking at different things. Um, one of the, their distinctive traits that they shared was how disconnected they were socially. They didn't. They weren't. They weren't one of the boys, and they didn't have. They didn't have really relationships with anybody else. So they all thought, until very late in the day, that they were the only ones who had this insight. And there's a scene. In the story, where right before the market starts to crack, so early 2007, um, there's the there's essentially a, a subprime mortgage bond industry conference um, in Las Vegas, and seven eight thousand people show up for this, and they're all long the subprime industry. They're all betting on subprime mortgages one way or another, and my characters all converge on this place, thinking they're going to be spies. They're going to learn what on earth these people think is so great about subprime mortgages and they're masquerading as investors in subprime mortgages. And they think they're the only ones there who have this insight. And it wasn't just the characters in my book, but there were two or three others I left on the cutting room floor who did the same thing. And they're all wandering around this casino in Las Vegas spying, thinking that they alone have this insight. So they weren't aware of each other. They didn't have a, they had no support system. Mm. And this made them unusual as people. Most people to think what they think, they, re, they rely upon a social support network. Right. You need your friend to tell you, yeah, you know, you know yeah, they're crazy. But we're right. They didn't really have that going on. Or even need it because of their personalities. Yes. Or their syndromes. Helps to have Asperger's syndrome. Have you – I know you've sold so many uh, of your stories. Have you heard from Hollywood yet on this one? Is there? It's already been bought. Uh, Brad Pitt bought it. Uh, Who also is just going to be doing Moneyball with you, right? He's just finished it. Yeah. yeah, Coming out this year. So um, it's a very interesting thing to see this coming down. If – you were just one of the people listening today. Uh, what do you do about getting back into the stock market? Just a regular guy working your gig that has that little bit of money 
All right, you got to say this to people. It's mm. because there's no denying it. The, the the central fact of our financial world right now is that it's a house built on sand, that we didn't reform the financial system. So you've got a, an essentially unstable enterprise. And it may it may survive, it may persist for some time, but there is there's a reckoning that will take place down the road. So knowing knowing that, you never it, it makes you more risk averse. Mm. So if you have a portfolio, uh, and you might naturally think it's smart to have eighty percent of it in stocks, you might scale it back to fifty. Yeah. You might just uh, you might just be l- l- more risk averse. Uh, but it's hard, you know. Even the smartest professional investors, even the heroes of my book, yeah. you ask them what to do with money right now, they don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's just an uncomfortable period because uh, they think the world could break at any time. They think that, for example, what happens, and this is not an unlikely thing, uh, what happens if uh, the Irish and the Greeks default on their national debt, triggering a run on the eurozone? Uh, what happens then is all the European banks are bankrupt, which are connected to the American banks in all kinds of other ways. And you have another run on the financial system. Um, I, I think everybody's poised for the, the crises are just more likely. So just be more risk averse. Mm. Don't put don't put all your eggs in one basket uh, and and um, have some money kind of figuratively under the mattress. Michael Lewis, what a, a great time to have you stop by and congratulations on the book, The Big Short, uh, available now in paperback, Inside the Doomsday Machine. Thanks so much for coming by, man. Thank you. All right, that is it for us. Uh, we'll be getting out of here. Hicks, I hope you know what to do with that money of yours now. Finally got some tips. Yeah. I guess I need Asperger's. Um, the odd thing, when I heard that, I'm like, maybe Watley can start selling for us. But uh, well, I don't have the book in front of me anymore. But the uh, big short is... Um, thank you, Fez. Amazon.com or independent bookstores. And I can't wait to see Moneyball, which was terrific book. Um, Fez, you didn't bring up Blindside, Tom? No, I did not. I had nothing to say about that book or movie. Um, I watched it for a little.
We'll see you guys in here tomorrow. Uh, keep an eye on your money. He's got me weirded out now. It's fucking scary. It is. And that's the end of my show. Dong. With Harry, Mark, and John Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday through Thursday With Harry, Mark, and John Satellites gone up to the skies Things like that drive me out of my mind it for a little while I love to watch things on TV Show. If you missed any or all of it, check out the Ron and Fez replay weekdays at 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific. Sirius 197.